Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. I'm Ryan LaVoy filling in for. J.J. Jackson today alongside me, Brant Daughtry. We're going to have a really fun day today as we're going to do our college football superlative show, a show that we did last year around this time, Brant and I did. It was coinciding with the start of high school football season then, and J.J. was out doing an Auburn volleyball game that day last year. Today, he's going to be on the call for Auburn soccer as they get their regular season underway against Old Dominion. So that's where he is, and we've got some guys at high school football tonight as well as Smith Station opens up their season against LaGrange. Uh, so that uh, that you have to look forward to on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9 at 7 o'clock, 6.30 airtime. So Ryan and Brant with you on the show today. So in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll do college football superlatives, and we're kind of opening up to the country. We've been talking SEC for the last week and a half, and previewing the various teams across the conference, all 14 of them to be exact, and their outlooks for the 2022 season. So we're going to tie in the entire country today with some superlatives uh, throughout the country. We'll also have your phone calls at 887-341 locally, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on the Auburn Bank phone line. And uh, we'll we'll have a good time today. We'll also do Player of the Week, uh, which is an Atlanta Braves. We'll talk a little Braves. So Going to be a fun show today. Ryan and Brant with you on this Thursday afternoon. A very dreary Thursday afternoon. Not a lot of rain today in the area, but a lot of clouds for sure. So be watching that across the area. See if any stoppages happen for high school football or soccer or anything like that tonight. But uh, fun day here on the show today. And Brant, good to be with you, sir. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Uh, I remember doing this show last year. It was a really, really fun show. I love doing it. Um... I, I'm not sure, but it might have been my first time on the show for the full three hours is when you and I oh, did really? the, the superlative trial by fire. Yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm looking back at what we said last year, and I, I think you and I did pretty good with uh, with some of the things that yeah. we listed off. And I'm excited to do that again. Um, and like you said, Braves talk with our player of the week and, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about everything, I guess, here today. Uh, you know, uh, obviously it is about to be football season so i'm sure that'll get brought up uh auburn football will be brought up at some point so excited to be here excited to get this underway yeah absolutely and uh we will kind of review those picks from last year uh once we go over the superlatives we'll start them in the four o'clock hour they well we have nine of them lined up for today and 
feels like we only get done with a couple every 15 or 20 minutes. So we'll start in the 4 o'clock hour. Also give uh, time for your thoughts on the Auburn Bank phone line if you want to call in and chime in on your thoughts on any of those superlatives and if you agree or disagree. So that will be coming up a little bit later. We'll start the show today before our first break, before we get into birthdays and sports a little bit later this hour. We'll kind of recap some of the show yesterday and just kind of lead into some more Auburn football discussion because yesterday was Auburn and Alabama Day on our show. It was the final two programs to wrap up the 14 program preview of the SEC. We went everyone from Alabama to Vanderbilt over the last week and a half. Boy, did we have to talk about Vanderbilt. And uh, it was a good time, but want to kind of wrap up some thoughts on Auburn from from yesterday. And uh, Brant, you were not on the show yesterday. I was only on for the last hour. But they did some bold predictions. I'm not going to ask you to give a bold prediction about Auburn for this year because, you know, we were all kind of like, whoa, look at that bold prediction. Listen yeah. to that. But also the, the whole key is bold, and you have to get kind of an eyebrow raiser if it's going to be bold. So right. I don't – you know, of course they're going to be a little bit outside of the box. But when you're looking at this team, and, you know, we're talking about these quarterbacks and that situ- all that sort of thing, it's hard to give – enough credit to the other parts of the team because we get so hung up on what the quarterback will be and and it's so influential to the team obviously but let's try and focus away from the quarterbacks for a few minutes because we've talked about that so much and we talked about a lot yesterday too we had hypotheticals about Bo Nix Bo Nix were still here and all that (laughs) Uh, but the good parts of this football team and I want to talk specifically defense at first I was going over, and I just finished today, hopefully be out next week, a a season preview for Auburn football. I was writing that up. And the units on the defense are all really solid. Now, there will be a strength, and there will be something that will be a little less of a strength than others. But I could not find a discernible hole in the defense where an entire unit was just like, eh, you could take advantage of this right here. So it feels like... You know, putting aside whatever the offense will do, this Auburn defense will be something that will give them a chance to win football games. I agree. I think it all starts up front, too. I think Auburn's defensive line, and I'm including the edge rushers in that, I think the Auburn defensive line has to be has a chance to be really nasty this year. Um, I, you bring in Jason Jones from Oregon. He's going to be the big guy in the middle. Um, who is I, Tony Fair. Tony Fair was in the middle of that defense last year, and he was good. He was a good space eater for for what Auburn ne- space eater, not space heater, uh, but he was good at what Auburn needed him to do. I think you're bringing in Jason Jones. He's that plus a little bit more. I think he's gonna he's a little bit better of an athlete. Um, he weighs a, a little bit less, but not much less. He's about three thirty to Fair's three forty, I think it was. So. Uh, but he's going to be in the middle of that nose tackle spot. Um, you got Colby Wooden right next to him. I think Colby Wooden is going to be one of the the best defensive linemen, one of the best down defensive linemen in the SEC this year, maybe the best uh, hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. Uh, Marcus Harris had an incredibly strong year last year, and there's no reason to think that he won't improve after being on Auburn's campus for uh, two years now. And Man, you go outside, Derek Hall and Echo Leota are going to be the focus. Uh, those two both want to get double-digit sacks this year, and I firmly believe that they can do it. I think they're both really talented, and if Auburn has a first-round draft pick this year, I think it's going to be Derek Hall. Uh, so that's the front line. You've got a great front line you're working with. The second level is where the question marks, if there are question marks, uh, that's where you're going to find them because you have Owen Papo, and by all accounts, he's back to being Owen Papo, the Owen Papo that uh, was such a good player uh, and made plays. Maybe it was not the focal point because you had Zacoby McLean making 100 tackles in a 10-game season. But 
you have Owen Papo being back to normal. He's fully healthy, and he's going to be super experienced. He's going to be the focal point of that second level. It's not The guys that you have next to him are super talented. They're just not proven, and Wesley Steiner and uh, Cam Riley. But all the chatter about them is that they've really picked it up, is that they're, they are ready to step in and contribute to this offense, and you've got, or this defense, excuse me. Uh, and you've got Eugene Asante, the transfer from North Carolina, as a, another big piece up there. Uh, this secondary... You look at who you've lost. You lost Smoke Monday, who was a three-year starter and a four-year contributor. And then you lose um, Roger McCreary, who was a, supposed to be a first-round draft pick, had shorter-than-average arms, and so he fell to the second round. But, you know, you, you lose a three-year starter and a second-round draft pick. You figure, man, Auburn's really going to take a step back. I don't know if they will or not. I don't think the top-end talent will be the same, but Nehemiah Pritchett is plans to be the next big guy up there. Jalen Simpson was good last year and looks to t- take steps forward. Uh, you're hearing a lot about Keontae Scott, the JUCO transfer, number one JUCO corner in the country. Uh, and he, he's he been – Harson said he has been an impact guy since the day he set foot on campus. You bring in DJ James, another Oregon transfer uh, at that corner spot. Uh, Donovan Kaufman is going to be playing almost exclusively at nickel this year, and people are really excited about him. And, I man, I really think this Auburn defense is going to give Auburn a chance to win a lot of games this year. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to think about, look, there's always – there's so many ways to spin things. It's it's kind of beauty in the, in the eye of the beholder from the standpoint of you can make a case for Auburn season being uh, – or last year's Auburn season being the case for why Auburn will struggle and surely go around 6-6 six and six this year. You can also find a way to make a case for it that they're not far, far off of a nine-win team. Absolutely. And, and so – where that kind of comes into play is your defense setting you up to be in every game despite your offensive deficiencies. And I think it's clear Auburn is going to have one of the weaker passing games in the SEC. Like I just don't see a way around that. That does not mean Auburn has one of the weakest offenses necessarily because, of course, there's the ability to run the football. And if, if they get better blocking up front, I think Tech Bigsby obviously is as talented as they come. But when you have a defense that can be, you know, I don't know if they'll, they have a chance of cracking Alabama, Georgia, but they could be the third best defense in the SEC and when their floor is probably only like the seventh or eighth best defense when they don't have a really low floor like they're going to be better than half the league defensively period at worst case it feels like there's not going to be many times where other offenses can just put themselves so out so far out front that the game is ever like when I when I look at all these schedules and stuff you know Auburn did a really good job against Arkansas last year oh yeah a team that is really good up front and has a coach that is what like that's his forte is being good up front and Auburn's defense handled it and they and they made several key short yarded stops in that game uh, and that's what it came down to for them so I, I think when you're looking at as you talk about the defensive line I think there are some some questions on the interior just because there are new guys that Auburn likes but they're new guys nevertheless you feel really good about everything happening on the edge between Derek Hall, between Colby Wood and Echo Leota. Um, so many guys that are going to contribute there. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it remains to be seen. I think a lot of people like Nehemiah Pritchett, if he becomes that next kind of number one corner that Auburn's always seemed to carry the last, I don't know, six, seven years at least. 
but I just don't. I, you would be nitpicking to see again anything that you would truly be worried about defensively that would prohibit them from being a top four or five defense in the SEC. And if you can do that, you in theory will keep yourselves in pretty much every game you play. Absolutely. Uh, I go back to last season after Bo Nix went down. I think Auburn scored. 13, 10, and 17 points in those regulation games. So not very good, averaging about two touchdowns a game there. And uh, it, that's not good, but Auburn still had a chance to to win all three of those games because of the way its defense played. And I understand the defense lost some guys, and it's not exactly the same as it was, but you still have a you still have a really good defense. The, most of the core is still there. You're going to need some young guys to step up. Like you said, you have guys that you like, but none of them are proven yet. It's a matter of uh, getting getting them up to speed and can they contribute on the field the way that Auburn expects them to. Um, but the good news is that I think, uh, you know, I think that those guys are going to step up, and I think Auburn's defense is going to keep Auburn in a lot of games. And it it all comes down to can the offense score uh, an average amount of points a game? And when you look at the offense, uh, and this is me reading, I, I have read this. These are not my words, but people who have watched the uh, people who have watched practices. Um, people who have watched practices have said something to the effect of the offensive line is holding its own against the defensive line. The offensive line is going to be good enough. The wide receivers are making plays. The young guys are stepping up. The wide receivers have a chance to be really good. And it's all going to come down to the quarterbacks when you look at that offense. And whoever the quarterback is is not going to have to be this world beater, but he's going to have to raise the floor to the point where that good defense that is keeping you in games uh, you score enough points to take advantage of what the defense is giving you, which has been kind of the issue for Auburn since 2018 or 19, something like that. It's been an issue for Auburn for a while. 334-887-341, locally toll-free, one tiger 9 On our Auburn Bank phone line, you want to give us a call and chime in. When we come back from this first commercial break, birthdays and sports, and we'll get to our first phone call on that Auburn Bank phone line. That and more next. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. The Tiger Communications app, tiger.fm. Ryan LaVoy, Brand Daughtry with you here today. Having fun on this Thursday. High school football in the area returns tonight. FM Talk 93.9, 630. Bill Bailey, Walter Northcutt from Smith Station, Alabama. Smith Station Panthers getting going this year. And, of course, the Borgard Hornets tomorrow night here on our airwaves, Tiger 95.9. So exciting time across the area. And, of course, if high school football is back college and pro football is near so we've been talking about that we'll talk more college football a little bit later but at this point in the show let's do something we do each and every day it's time for today's birthdays in sports today's birthdays 
on August the 18th, 2022. Don Poe turns 31, a former NFL defensive lineman. Poe was a two-star recruit out of Memphis and decided to stay close to home for college by attending Memphis. He started at a fr- as a freshman and was an all-conference selection in 2011. Left Memphis after his junior season was taken 11th overall by the Kansas City Chiefs. Two-star recruit to being picked 11th overall in the NFL draft. Solid track. He played for eight seasons. It was a two-time Pro Bowler. He holds the NFL record for heaviest player ever to throw and run for a touchdown at 346 LBs. Yeah. That's big boy football. Don Terry Poe, and I, I want to stress, he does not hold the record for being the guy to throw and run for a pass at that weight. He holds the record as heaviest run and heaviest pass. Yes. Uh, second place, actually, Cam Newton, at two, listed at 260. Really? Yeah. So, uh, great job by Don Terry No, Poe I'm there. sorry. Uh, to pass, I think. I think for the passing one, it is Cam. Gotcha. So, Don Terry Poe turns 31 today. Jeremy Shockey turns 42, former NFL tight end. Shockey grew up in Ohio, was an All-State selection in high school. Played in JUCO for a year before transferring to the U in 2000. Played two years at Miami, winning the 2001 National Championship, was an All-American. He was taken 14th overall in 2002 draft by the Giants. Played 10 seasons in the National Football League, where he was the first ever winner of the Rookie of the Year award. Was a two-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, and two-time Super Bowl champion. Jeremy Shockey turns 42 today. Do you think that 2001 Miami team is the best college football team of all time? Whoa, that's a loaded discussion. Whoa. <laughs> I think they're up there. They're certainly here's certainly what, in the discussion. Here's what I'll say. It, it was one of the most talented because they had an incredible amount. I mean, they had, I believe, I want to say Ed Reed was still in that yeah. team. Ray Lewis uh, was too. I Ray believe. Lewis. I don't know if Lewis was there. I don't know. I'd have to go back. Uh, I know they had like uh, Clinton Portis and Willis McGahee and just all kinds of guys. But I, I don't know. There's a lot of those. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to that question yes. for sure. Um, and then Chuma Okiki turns 24 today. Ever Ford, heard of him? Ford for the Orlando Magic. Okiki was born in Atlanta, where he was Mr. Basketball for the state of Georgia as a senior in 2017. He attended Auburn, where he helped Ford lead am. Auburn to a Final Four appearance as a sophomore. After that Final Four run, he declared for the 2019 draft, where he was selected by the Orlando Magic 16th overall. Chuma Okiki turns 24, making him two years younger than me yeah you want to just compare places in life <laughs> i uh, i think chumo okiki was actually the first college athlete that i rooted for where i was like oh where i learned like he was younger than me because he's younger than me by what is it it's august so he's younger than me by like three months but man what a, what a weird feeling that is yeah and now yeah. now we've got 21 year olds just raking for the braves right now so and making $72 million yeah. in the course of eight years. And we'll actually allude to that. We'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Talking about Michael Harris, of course. But uh, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line now. 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, great. Just a little uh, foggy over here. Uh, how about the rain over your place? Yeah, it's uh, raining over in Opelika, uh, about 20 minutes down the road, but it's not raining at the station currently. Hi, and uh, Mr. Brad Daughtry. Yes, sir. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good to have you on board as well. All right, guys, let's get to it, because I know my time is uh, probably very short. How about let's go to uh, 
the announcement today of the uh, settlement agreement, I guess, between Mr. Deshaun Watson and the NFL. Yep, uh, 11 games. He was obviously originally given six, and he's going to have a, uh, a fine that will be paid to charity. He's also got to do some uh, evaluations over the course of that suspension as well. Yeah. Did you think that was fair and reasonable, or do you think it should have been harsher? So, I mean, considering a lot of people wanted a year, um, you know, it's it's a compromise. Um, a lot of people point to the Calvin Ridley thing, and I debated whether I was going to get into this whole can of worms or not. I just I don't love when people go down the Calvin Ridley road because we're talking about something completely different there, and, and I don't want to bore you with it, Steve, because it take like five minutes to explain my stance on that. But I think they're very they're actually very different things, and so I don't think we really should be comparing those two things. But I, I will say that for for Watson, you know, there's a there's obviously a, he had an agreement, uh, a settlement with the with the with the women. Which kind of shows you that there's an element of guilt there, as uh, Brant and I have talked about off air before. And so, when you have that, you start to go towards a a longer suspension. Eleven games is ultimately still more than half a season. Uh, he who obviously sat out last year. I'm not. I'm not really mad at it. I. It's fine. I, I don't think. I think a year is what most people would have wanted, but I, I'm fine how it shook out. Okay, I um, wanted to hear your your take on that. My take, uh, the retired uh, mental health counselor, that uh, I thought he should have gone to court uh, and probably been held, held legally accountable for uh, the allegations that were pressed against him. And the $5 million fine, when I looked at you probably do know this, but I didn't know it until I read it. He signed a five-year contract worth $230 million. Right. So what is $5 million to him, guys? It's like maybe to me and you, maybe $50 out of our paycheck? Yeah. I mean, it's still money to charity, though, that I – I mean, it's $5 million more than charity that was going to be. But, I mean, you you can't – no one's ever been fined, like, a real hurtful amount of money. Like, you, I mean, no, one, no one's ever been, like, fined in the NBA or NFL or anything like that, like 75% of their salary. So it, that – that's not surprising. That's on par with everything. Five million dollars is still a good chunk. Five million dollars is still something that you would love to have. Um, so, yes, I, I agree that you know percentage-wise, yes, of course, it's not a high percentage what he will ultimately earn over the course of the next few years. But I mean, five million dollars is not you know, it's not nothing. Yeah. So see, I, these kind of things need to be you know accountable in terms of you know how much discomfort does it cause a person who was egregious. And I do think there is some element of guilt here. I mean, women wouldn't do this just for the heck of it. Uh, and I, I did the, the math, and it comes out to $46 million a year uh, salary for him. So $5 million out of that? Yeah. Okay, I'm sure that's not going to be very painful. All right. Thanks for letting me uh, make my comments about that. Moving on, guys. Um, have you seen the uh, new promo for CBS Sports uh, in the Big Ten? Yep. Yep. Familiar music. <laughs> what I thought, what I thought, oh my God, because the title was from Nathan King. He says, this just feels wrong. And I want to get your take, guys. You know, they, I know you saw the, the, the video on it, but it comes up with what? Big names and big teams. Really? Big names? Um, let's see. They're not Alabama. They're not Georgia. They're not LSU. They're not Auburn. Uh, they're going to be who? Uh, Indiana, Purdue, 
Uh, let's go down the list. Oh, we do have Michigan and Ohio State. Are those your big names? Well, yeah, those names are big. I mean, there, there's obviously some smaller teams in the conference, which there are in the uh, SEC as well. I don't think anyone – I don't think Vanderbilt or Missouri put the fear of God into anybody. These um, no, are Purdue and Indiana. What, but I'm saying, though, it's not a whole lot different, though. The Big Ten is clearly the second-best conference in the country, and they just got – I mean, a part of this deal, they're going to get a billion dollars a year of TV money. That's more than the National Hockey League gets in its TV rights. Um, and it's going to be double of what the SEC has agreed to right now. So they negotiated a humongous TV contract. And, uh, and yeah, the league is – and by the way, in a couple of years – on top of Ohio State and Michigan and obviously some other quality ones like Penn State, Michigan State, they're going to add USC and UCLA. So, again... Okay, but how does that compare, Ryan, excuse me, to us getting Texas and Oklahoma? I mean, Texas and Oklahoma is better, but, like, is USC nothing? It's still clearly the second best. Like, it's... it's be- you, you think it's not... You think it's... Do you think it's closer to third or to first as a conference? As a conference, they're, they're below us. They're, they are, but there's. But what I'm saying is, they're much closer to being number one to having all those programs than they are to whatever the third best conference is going to be now. Whether that's going to be the Big Twelve or the ACC, whatever, they're still going to have five to six really big brand name programs in college football, where the other conferences will be lucky to have two. Okay. All right. Um fair um, you know, there's some merits to that I just thought it was a little bit overblown to say big names and big teams uh, and I saw on here now Tim, correct me here Ryan uh, this blogger said that the SEC is actually going to do better with ESPN's contract because uh, they said here the SEC will get, be getting 1.6 billion to 2 billion dollars from ABC ESPN compared to 1.2 billion from Fox and CBS um, I'm not sure what time frame of numbers those are given but that that's not the per the per year what ag- what is agreed upon for um, everyone is the Big Ten is going to be getting a billion per year and right now the SEC is slated to make like five hundred and sixty million I, I just saw it so right now the Big Ten TV deal is bigger now the SEC deal both of them are multiple years so there are bigger dollar figures attached to that if you're talking about the totality contract so yeah the SEC signed a multi-billion dollar contract but that's for the lifehood of the contract and i i am unclear i have heard some people say there will still be a renegotiation the sec will ultimately get more because this deal was done before texas and oklahoma were added so i don't think the sec will end up at this number i don't know if they'll eclipse a billion but Nevertheless, as of today, the Big Ten is getting a more lucrative lucrative contract from the TV deal than the SEC is. Okay. All right. Thanks. Let me know that. Now, I know one thing I won't miss from CBS is Mr. Gary Danielson. I mean, I don't know how he's going uh, to handle you know his love fest with uh, Nick Saban because if anybody was playing, uh, no matter who it was, even if Alabama wasn't playing, you'd hear something about Nick Saban. And so now nah, he's gonna have to go through withdrawal symptoms, I guess. Is that not kind of college football though? Don't you compare a lot of things to Alabama and Nick Saban? Yeah, but at least we won't have to hear Gary Daniels on them. Uh, at least if, if I if I don't want to watch him anymore. So uh, I look forward to some of the ESPN announcers, and hopefully they won't be having a love fest uh, that much. All right, moving on, guys. Um, 
Did you see uh, Athlon Sports College Football's top 20 offensive lines? I did not see that. Well, it comes from Stephen Lassen. I just saw it. And the reason I bring it up is because Mr. Field Steele, I believe, if I recall, now tell me if I'm sure. uh, recalling correctly, I believe he had offensive line ranked number two. But was that ranking in the SEC or number two in the entire country? It was in the SEC. Whatever it was, it was in the SEC. It was either SEC. second or third in the SEC, yeah. Okay, well, which was quite high. Well, nowhere is Auburn's name mentioned in the top uh, 20 listing for right. offensive lines. But I'll tell you who they did have in the SEC, which, uh, wow, okay, I didn't know they were that good, but we got left off. And for Phil Steele was number two in the SEC offensive line, and we don't even make the top 20, well, I uh, found that a, scratch, a head scratcher. They have Ole Miss number 20. Ole Miss number 20, you say. Um right. Kentucky, number seven. I can tell you Ole Miss does have four returning starters, and one of them's at least one of them uh, broker their left guard is all SEC. I, I don't know the extent of their offensive line other than that. but Okay, but we don't have chopped liver either, do we, Ryan? Yeah, do we, I don't know if we have – do we have an all-SEC guy like Nick Broker, though? Um, how about Nick Brahms? I don't think Nick Brahms is an all-conference guy. I think the best guy that Auburn has on this offensive line is Keandre Jones. He's a he's a potential all-conference guy, but you know I think Auburn's offensive line is good, not great, uh, kind of across the board. Uh, at least I I think that's their ceiling. You know I think they have been average at best over the past couple of years, but I think they can be good this year. I don't know about top twenty or you know I don't know if they're a, I think they're a top half of the SEC, but I don't know about in the country. Well, okay, sure, but I still recall from, you know, Mr. Steele to the rankers number two, he said sure. we had a lot of experienced players coming back. And here's Absolutely. a basketball school, a basketball school. I uh, said, oh, my gosh, this is what we've come to. Number 17 on their list is Kentucky. Kentucky's offensive line, line is very good. Yep. They are very good. I said, what have we happened? What's happened to Auburn? Arkansas is number 14. Sam Pittman, former offensive line coach, that's his focus. He uh, he has made it a point to be good on the O line, and it's working so far. Alabama, number ten. Yeah, Alabama's good at everything. Yeah. Yep. Texas A and M, number six. Interesting. I'll have to look and at him, but those are all. Uh, and Georgia's number two. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia's been top five offensive yeah, line for four it, years now. Yeah, you look at it, a lot of those those top three obviously just recruit everything well. You know, yeah. A&M, like, like Brand, I would have to specifically go through every lineman and their credentials, but when, when A&M spits out one of the great classes of all time, when they've spit out a couple of top five classes before that, I mean, inevitably they're going to have a lot of talent and – uh, I think the more more of the question around their football team is their quarterback play uh, because they didn't get very good quarterback play last year and they've got LSU's quarterback with Max Johnson. But I think offensive line is something that's well regarded. All right, uh, Mr. Ryan Lavoie, since you mentioned that name A and M, came upon this list per Brad Crawford of Two Forty Seven Sports. These are his five most overrated teams in the preseason top twenty-five polls. Um, well, let's see if you agree with these. Okay. Michigan State. Um, okay, I've got the poll pulled up. So Michigan State's ranked 15th. Uh, right, but per Brad Crawford, these are his five most overrated, overrated teams. Right. Per, uh, uh, based on AP's 25 uh, uh, preseason rankings. Right. Notre Dame is another one he okay. says is overrated. Okay. Oregon, which is up in everybody's top 20 for some reason. Uh, Texas A&M which everybody's slobbering over, and then finally Texas. He says are the most five most overrated teams in preseason. 
Do you agree or disagree with any of those teams being overrated? Uh, so, okay, my, my first rebuttal is, and this is just being a smart aleck, and I do this all the time, is I, did he offer who should be ranked above them? Because mm, I don't think he says. He talks about the Spartans have an average pole ranking 14.5, mm-hmm. Morgan 11.5, Notre Dame 5, Texas A&M 6.5, Texas at 22.5. He said all five teams lost key players to the NFL earlier this year and will have to replace a ton of produ- production. Uh, he notes that Notre Dame and Oregon are entering years with first-year head coaches. But then, and they get a free pass, by the way. Uh, Marcus Freeman and Dan Lanning, and he talked about um, uh, Lincoln Riley, and uh, he said Chance Ducks could start the season one and two. And he said uh, Notre Dame and Oregon could be powerhouses, could be, but first years for Freeman and Lanning, he said, could be tougher than tougher than expected. So that was his, um, that's the only explanation he gave. Uh, sure. I, you know, look, I, again, for someone to be classified as overrated, someone must be underrated. So that that's just kind of where I go with that. You know, Texas being at 27, that I don't th- since they're not ranked, it's kind of hard for me to say they're overrated when you're when you're talking about the other teams though. Um, Notre Dame at 5 struck me. I mean, that was clearly very high. I think the thought there is that there's really not much of a transition from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman because Marcus Freeman has been on staff there. But nevertheless, Brian Kelly had a long run of being successful at Notre Dame. I don't think that's nothing. I don't think you can just replace that uh, automatically. So, I mean, I'd be tempted to drop Notre Dame a few spots, maybe put... You know, when I when I look at it though, I mean, let's go five through ten. I'm just gonna single this out. So Texas A&M was another one of his overrated teams. They're six. So do you prefer Notre Dame to Texas A&M? Utah well, is seven. Ryan, excuse me for interrupting. About A&M, just real briefly, because Phil yeah. Bosch made the same observations. How is it that A&M uh, gets all this love fest, and yet their performance and their record says, "Wow, um, how do they get all this love?" You know, when since Jimbo Fisher's there, they've managed. Uh, an 8-4 record most of the time until last season. Steve, we we will actually be talking about that in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got college football superlatives that we're going to run through, and most overrated team is actually the first one on the list. And you better believe I'll be talking a little bit about A&M. Yeah, I just couldn't figure out, guys, what explains this love fest with A&M when they've done, you know, uh, eight and four seasons for, I think, four of the five seasons since Jimbo Fish has been there. Uh, Am I right on that? Uh, yeah, you are. I mean, I, I have some rebuttals, but um, I just wanted please, to... Please, I want to hear, because if, uh, if Auburn goes 8-4, and four, we don't get this kind of love. Okay, I'm just going to I'm, I'm just gonna ask you then. Who's better, Texas A&M or Utah? Well, all I've heard is Utah is supposed to be, I don't know, highly, um, I guess, uh, predicted to, to do well this year, but who does Utah play? Well, I mean, they thumped Oregon a couple of times last year, and that's why they're rated uh, higher than Oregon is this year. They've got 14 total stars returning, eight offense, six defense. But um, they lose – those six defense, they lose probably their best two or three defensive players. They're usually always a good defense. So, but, but Could they survive if they play the SEC schedule? Pro- I mean, eh. I would I, argue that no I would one think can it, truly survive the SEC my, schedule. My point is, Steve, that, again, for someone to be overrated, teams must be underrated. 
if A&M is six, that means I have to find someone like seven through 10 or 11 that you we should put above them. And Utah's seven. And I, I think it's fair to question what Utah would do in the SEC. I think they'd probably come out around nine and three or something like that. Maybe eight and four. It depends what division, what teams they play where. So if they're going nine and three, that's essentially what Texas A&M is doing every year. Um, you know, Michigan is eight. Michigan had a really good year last year. They were in the playoff. Um, big year for Harbaugh. Up until that point, Harbaugh was on the hot seat. He had some pretty disasters. Yeah, be no Ohio State in ten years. So, and then nine is Oklahoma. They've got a new head coach now. They lost their quarterback in Kayla Williams. I have serious questions about their offense, and uh, that's not good because their defense has not been good over the over the course of several years. And then Baylor is number ten with an excellent defense, but they didn't have much of an offense last year. So, I, I'm just saying, I think. Almost everyone named Alabama and Georgia is flawed to some degree. And so I don't think it's clear that there are, you know, gross misplacements of teams right now because, again, like, does Texas A&M feel like a number six team in the country? I agree they probably don't. They probably feel more like early teens, you know, but the teams right behind them, I can't make, at least right now, without doing really deep dive prove it research i can't prove to you that someone like michigan or oklahoma or utah is is better okay i mean that's fair enough right i i i think you you have you know a great deal of on, on all of your rebuttals i just don't understand the year 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 yearly love fest with a&m and jimbo fisher when he hasn't done anything to warrant it to earn it uh just like texas every darn year uh espn promotes texas is back really well, when when do they finally make it you know, back? Uh, I don't know, but they seem uh, to, I don't know. They seem to have uh, some kind of you know roughness. These teams. All right, uh, moving on, guys. To finally, what do you see defining a successful season for Auburn football? This is actually a title uh, from uh, SI.com's Lance Daw. Have you seen that article? I have not. Yeah, it's really interesting. So. What for you would define a successful season? Is it win totals or the other other factors? At the end of the day, what defines a football team is how many wins and how many losses they have. So uh, looking at expectation and, and what I think Auburn can do this year, I think if you win eight games in the regular season, you've had a, you've had a pretty good one. Okay. Uh, well, here are the five things that Mr. Lance Daw said would define a successful season. One, improve quarterback play. Good luck. Run through these quickly, Steve, because we do okay. need to hit a break. An upset win, and this one I definitely agree with, with no upset losses. Talking to you, Mr. Tom PD. I'll talk to you <laughs> next week, uh, because that San Jose State had better not happen. Right. Oh, yeah. Because, and that's something, guys, that I, as all the fans, I have always, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, just been just miserable over, is losses that we should never have had. And they've happened with Tuberville. They've happened with Malzahn. And I don't, I don't understand it, guys. How do we stop it? How does that stop? It, it happens know, with everybody in college football. It is a college football thing. Often, upset upset wins. Upset not wins and upset losses is what make college football great. Yeah, but we are consistent when it comes to upset losses. Sure. I mean, we don't, keep, just, one, keep going, we don't get just one upset loss. We get you know two or three of them. Okay. The next one... Um, he says Auburn needs to win against a team that the eye test knowledge makers believe the, t- the Tigers should not uh, should not beat. Recruiting momentum. Okay. That's another one, and finally, better run blocking from the offensive line. 
that'll yes. go a long sound way. Decision, and sound decision making from the coaching staff, like that, you know, fade uh, pass in the corner uh, in, in the end zone. Right. Yeah. Uh, who, the the guy who called that play is no longer at Auburn. So. Okay. So those are his ideas for a successful season, and that's what I got for you guys. So I know my time is up here. Hey, I want to hear your comment, uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Yes, sir. Well, I don't believe I heard uh, your bold pick yet, or your mark my words, I call it. Uh, have you done that yet? I have not. I'm not going to. I don't have one. <laughs> you I don't, don't have, have one. one? No, I don't have one. Uh, you can't. Not that I'm, I'm convicted saying, by. You cannot get away with that, Ryan. Come on, man. I'll give you something bold in the superlatives, but it may not be about Auburn, though. Okay, Brett, did I hear a bold pick from you yet? You haven't, but uh, like Ryan, you're going to in the superlatives. Okay. Okay, all right, I'm looking forward to it, guys. You know, no whippy picks now. We'll see, Steve. Right. We'll uh, take out three time. My time is up. Warrior, you, guys. Appreciate the call, Steve. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Almost out of time for the hour. One quick break. We'll wrap up hour number one. JJ Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger segment of hour number one on the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan and Brant with you here. A good phone call with retired board name Steve. If you missed that or you missed anything on the show today, Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand whenever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice cold Coca-Cola. I love a, I love a good ice cold vanilla Coke. Get vanilla Coke every single time I go to the movies out of the Coke uh, Freestyle machine. I'm a cherry Coke guy. Cherry Coke's good too. I've been on that. I got that the other night. Enjoy an ice cold Coca Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca Cola, taste the feeling. It's a new sponsor to we our love sports call podcast. And we love a good Coca Cola as well. Just a couple minutes left in the first hour. As mentioned, in hour number two, we're going to spend a lot of time on college football superlatives, really, for the predominant nature of the rest of the show honestly starting the four o'clock hour but just a couple minutes left in this hour and we want to get you to this week's sports call player of the week braves outfielder michael harris ii is sports calls player of the week brought to you by eric mcdade state farm the 21 year old outfielder continued his rookie of the year campaign with an impressive week batting 364 over six games of his eight hits six went for extra bases including two homers one of which tied the game in the top of the ninth against the marlins on sunday the braves went on to win that contest and sweep the fish in miami thanks in part to the efforts of harris the braves are on a seven game win streak headed into a pivotal series against the new york mets michael harris ii is sports calls player of the week Michael Harris, the player of the week this week, Branton. Uh, he just got a big co- payday, too. I, I like to he think did. it's because he won player of the week. That yeah. like validated him, and now he's got a eight-year, $72 million contract. Yeah, so we, we decided on that on Monday, and that's when I started throwing that together, and we're just now getting it on the, on the show. Uh, but, yeah, I think that contract was released the next day, so... Good things keep happening for the Sports Call Player of the Week. And uh, Michael Harris II, 
uh, that was talking about uh, last week, obviously, but this week he's still doing pretty well. It's been a uh, it's been a very successful season for him. Probably going to win Rookie of the Year, um, but man, certainly one of the leading candidates. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know the Braves. A big one tonight. Uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom going up against each other. That, I, you and I were talking about it off the air. I said that game's going to last an hour and a half. It, it should be. It should be a very well-pitched game. Uh, shout out to Michael Harris, though, as Sports Call Player of the Week. Harris, uh, with impactful hit there, had the home run in the ninth inning on the first pitch to tie up the game at one in the in the Marlins game and uh, got the big contract. That contract, I know we only got a minute left, but – um, there is some risk in these contracts. I don't want people to think like, like, oh, this is just stealing. Oh my gosh, because there is like people forget Harris has played like two months, so like yeah. there's still a chance that like he ends up busting. There's a chance he gets injury. It has a very injury laden early career, and it, it affects what he becomes. There's still an outcome here where it's like, well, at least he got a 72 million, but there is still an excellent chance. That he develops into the player he is right now, and he is a becomes a really good player, and essentially it seems like a, a steal because you look know, no matter what you overpay the first couple of years of these contracts because of the way arbitration and contract renewables work. I tell you right now, Michael Harris could hit ten home runs in the month of September. He would make like seven hundred thousand dollars next year. That that's the that's the way MLB contracts work. Yep. Um, so you, the value here from the player's perspective is. It's still $72 million guaranteed. And for three or four of the years, he will technically get more than what he would have gotten if he just went year by year. But obviously, he gives a lot of that back if he's a good player and then would have hit free agency the last couple of years of the deal. He'd be making $20 million and he's actually only going to be making 8 or $9 million. That's where you really get that money back. It's great investment by the Braves. They are doing it with a lot of their guys. And now they yeah, have a whole man, squad the, lined up for the next six, seven, eight years. Yeah, they have a lot of guys. And the oldest of those guys on a long-term contract is Max Fried, who just turned 28. So uh, it, it, a lot of young guys locked up for a long time. Braves are going to be good for a while. Absolutely. That is the end of our number one. We plan on being good for a long while. And in Hey-o. the second hour... We're going to do college football superlatives. We'll start. Most overrated team. Something Steve brought up. We'll start with that in hour number two. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway. Tiger 95.9. This is Sports Call Auburn. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dotry with you here this afternoon. 
taking you through the full three hours. And after this, on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station Panther Football High School Football is here. We're excited for to have another year of it on Tiger Communications, Smith Station on FM Talk 93.9, Beauregard on 95.9. We've been... Uh, in hour number one, talking about array of different an array of different things, but here in hour number two, we're going to go ahead and start our college football superlatives. And of course, Brant, this is a show we did kind of last year. We we're going to do it a couple weeks ago. Then we had news break, and we did some other things. So we did some Auburn superlatives, and had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, but we've got nine for this year, and I'm excited about them. You got. We'll also remind people, too, in just a little bit once we go through each one of uh, what happened last year on these. But uh, Steve kind of was hitting up the overrated topic uh, a little bit. We were trying not to get too much into that. And Steve had a, uh, a phone call there where we kind of questioned a lot of the teams up at the top 25. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and we'll, like you said, we'll touch on that. But, you know, he brought up a lot of teams that I, I think uh, have some question marks on them. Uh, I, Texas A&M being the one that he touched on the most. And. Yeah, we'll certainly talk about Texas a and Texas A&M as we get deeper. Notre Dame being at number five. Well, I mean, look, the the grass is green, the water is wet, the sky is blue, and Notre Dame is overrated to start the pre to start the season. And I, I just don't know if uh, Notre Dame at five is is something I buy into. Uh, you have Oklahoma State at twelve, and I mean, you can make arguments there. Oklahoma is ranked pretty highly, and they, yes, I understand they're a good team, and they should still be decent this year, but they lost everything uh and they're still ranked in the top 10 so getting into that should be a lot of fun for sure yeah and we will get to that in just a minute but first let's go to our auburn bank phone line 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine matt from tallassee matt joins us matt how are you doing uh who, who am i talking to it's uh ryan and brant today what's up brant hey matt how you doing buddy Fine. hey ryan what's up not much man just hanging in there what about you I'm just trending, man. I had a new house, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been cutting grass, and it started pouring down rain. The grass is too wet to cut, so I'm just trending now. Dang, yeah. It, uh, it's it been raining on and off here all, all day. Yeah, man. Hey, what do you guys think about You think Auburn can beat Hoover tomorrow night? Yeah, it's going to be a big high school football game. Uh, we certainly talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Um that's that's a big one. I, I I'm interested to see it. You know, I'll I'll I'm not really good at knowing every, all the players that are coming back for the high schools. I know that Hoover has been perennially good. They've been maybe a little disappointing in recent years, falling a little bit short. Auburn's had some teams that went to you the state championship. You guys want to hear my score for tonight's game against Tallahassee and Realtown and the Auburn Hoover game? Yeah, go for it. I got Auburn winning forty nine twenty seven. Forty nine twenty seven. All right. Over Hoover, and then I got Tallahassee winning. Uh, uh, I say thirty-eight to no, no, 30, 40, uh, forty-nine to twenty-eight. Tallahassee. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Hey, so what? It, I was listening to, uh, like, uh, Ryan and Ryan, and uh, Brian, I got a question for you. I was listening to 106.7, and they were asking, they can't answer this, but they were talking about maybe all three of the quarterbacks taking reps in the first, the first two games, and they said they can't 
name it started, and they want people to call in. I just want to know who do you think will probably start against Mercer? I mean, against yeah Mercer and San Jose State, and then who do you think will be the starter for against Penn State? You know, uh, the starter against Mercer and San Jose State. Uh, Justin Hokinson said this uh, earlier. Uh, this week at some point. I can't remember where he said it, but I do know it was him. But he said, look, this competition may go into the first two games. These guys can't separate themselves in practice, so throw them throw them out into a real game and, and see which one looks the best. And whoever the best is, go with that guy for the third game. Uh, I have no idea who's going to start the Penn State game, but if I were to pick a guy for the Mercer game, I'd say TJ Finley right now. But I would imagine that He's going to get a couple of drives, and they're, then they're going to throw in Zach Calzada uh, for a couple of drives and go back and forth in that one, or you know, however the game plays itself out. And of those two, whichever one does better is probably the one who's going to start Mercer or uh, start Penn State. So, Brent, was that you that said that? Yes, sir. So, hey, Ryan, do you think that we'll probably see the freshman quarterback play in any games? Um, I, I don't think we'll see him play much. I think you're you're going to have to have a blowout uh, to get to the third QB. That does happen from time to time, especially against a team like Mercer. You can usually get the second string in there to start the second half, play them all the way up until a few minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and then see the third string. So I, I think it's not impossible to see Robbie Ashford, but he's not going to be anywhere near the amount of time that the first two no, guys I'm, will I'm be. Not about, I'm talking about the freshman quarterback. I'm talking about uh, holding Gurner. Uh, we will. I don't do, do not think we will see him. No. Okay, and then the last question. I'm not going to do the chair because, as uh, uh, Ron, I don't think you've heard a chair before. Brent has heard it. I've heard the chair many times, Matt. But um, I got a question. One more quick, and then I'll then I'll do the chair Monday. Um, okay. Or maybe like Wednesday or something like that. But uh, I know that Tank Bigby is a junior. Yes. Chair. So he'll probably go pro next year, but if he goes pro to the NFL, what round do you think he'll probably get? Uh, that's a great question. I, coming into last year, I think he would, was on track to be one of the first running backs taken. Um, now I think he's more probably like the, I don't know, fifth, sixth running back taken. Um, as of right now. So that probably put him about the third round, somewhere in there. Running backs don't go as high as other positions. There's very few running backs get picked in the first round, if any. Some years there's not. So I think you're looking at like the second, maybe third round. Okay, last question for you, uh, Ryan and Brent. The offense coordinator we got from Dallas Cowboys, um, how do you think he's going to probably do with the uh, running the offense? Yeah, so Auburn Auburn didn't get a uh, the offensive coordinator from the Cowboys. That's going to be Eric Keesaw, who was uh, Auburn's wide receiver coach last year, is going to be calling plays and running the offense. But Auburn got a, a kind of a a player manager uh, type type guy from uh, the Cowboys, and he's going to be in a similar role with Auburn. So uh, he's just going to be overseeing the team and uh, looking at the roster, seeing what's needed and what's not, and uh, reporting back to the coaches. And I think he's going to do a pretty good job with that. He did a really good job with it for the Cowboys, and uh, I expect that uh, Auburn's going to use him uh, in a similar way. He, he, I heard he helped uh, Tony Rumbo, Rumbo, is Cowboys? Did he help any other quarterbacks at uh, with the Cowboys? And do you think that he can improve with the quarterbacks we have out right now at Auburn, like with Finley and uh, Gazan and and the Oregon quarterback? 
Yeah, I think obviously the the, the main assistants, you know, offensive coordinator, you know, are always going to be the guys that that will have bigger roles in that. Um, so, I mean, look, you're just trying to develop all the quarterbacks, period. doesn't matter how much of it's Harson, Keysaw, or somebody else. Everybody's been working with quarterback position there, and there's got to be improvement at the end of the day. Well, I hope he ain't doing good this year and keep Harson, because I really – my mom says that if they fire Harson, she won't support Auburn anymore. But I'm hoping we hope we can do better. Yeah. I, I, our defensive line is real good. We just need some, like, offensive linemen. And um, I'm hoping we have a, a good year. And as long as you beat Bama and Georgia, I'll be happy. Yeah, I hope that, I hope we have a good year too, uh, Matt. Definitely. Boy, well, hey, Brent, you tell JJ I said hey, and uh, Ward will do you guys, and I'll talk, and I'll talk to you guys Monday. Will do, Matt. Yeah, we appreciate sure. the phone call, War Eagle. That is Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the show, not of the show, the second hour of the show. And uh, on the other side, we will get headfirst into college football superlatives. A 2022 edition coming up next. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It's Sports Call, a Thursday edition, August the 18th, 2022. Ryan LeBoy, Brant Dottry with you here. And we're going to get into a fun part of the show now. We're going to do college football superlatives. We did this around this time last year, maybe a few days later. But now that the AP poll is out, now that the national sentiments are out on all the teams, now that we are actually a single-digit amount of days away from week zero, by the way, nine days till till college football happens, nine days till Vanderbilt <laughs> takes a field in the S- Southeastern Conference and probably gets run by Hawaii. Yep. Uh, yep. Great stuff. But nine days till the start of college football, 16 days, of course, till the big shebang. Uh, the first Saturday. But let's get into it. So Steve brought this up. Brant got into it a little bit for the phone call with Matt on the other side of that break. We're going to start with the most overrated team this year. And uh, let's remind you of what we said last year because we want to keep the receipts on. Most yeah. of these are actually quite good for we, us. We want to both hold ourselves accountable and pat ourselves on the back. Yes, um, and that any good show would. So sometimes we give a 1A and 1B because we recognize that there's too juicy of a topic that can only go with just one our goal is not to give you like half the field because technically like in this profession like if you want to go with like hottest coaching seat there's like 12 hot coaching seats that are like scalding at all all time so but uh with most overrated last year brant had a 1a 1b his 1a was notre dame okay they they they, I, i don't know where they start the year i know they finished the year in the fiesta bowl so probably 
not a passing grade there. However, his 1B was Iowa State. And Iowa State, I think, only won seven or eight yeah, football games I think last they year. Started, I think they started the year ranked eighth and ended up out of the top 25 by the end of the season. So I'm very so happy with ding, that. Ding, ding, ding there. I also went Notre Dame, though. So I don't get points out of that one. Not a great play there. Um, so who we got this year, Bray? Uh, overrated team? You got a couple of them? You just want to pick one? What do you want to do? I'll, uh, I'll pick... Goodness, I don't know. Because there, there are... A, a few that jump out at me, but none that really grab me by the throat. I'll go Oklahoma State. Okay. Um, I think Oklahoma State is kind of a good for the Big 12. Um, I've said before on this show that I just don't buy into Mike Gundy. Um, I, I think he's – I compared him to uh, Dan Mullen as a guy who had success at a very mid-level program, but when he tr- – if he – but Dan Mullen tried to make that jump to a bigger program, and it didn't work out. And I think the same thing would happen if Mike Gundy tried to make a similar move. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Oklahoma State as they'll be good. I don't think they'll be in the top 15 by the end of the season. I can see that. I think the whole Big 12 is problematic yes. here. Yeah, um, that's a good point. We, d- we They could very well finish with like a 9-3 and record by virtue of playing in a very weak conference. I don't know what Gundy would do to bigger school. That's not what I disagree with. I, I, I just disagree because I think he's done such a quality job at Oklahoma State, and they have been consistently relevant. Um, but I don't disagree with you either with them this year because, as I alluded to, the Big 12 seems problematic. So I'll spend just a minute here. My primary answer, like we're, we're doing this in 2023, what we're going to have on the page for me, I'm going to put Oklahoma. And it's such a huge program – and it's a team that usually does not disappoint in this way. Like they, sure they've maybe not won a championship here or there that they thought they could have. The loss to Georgia in the playoffs the year Baker Mayfield was at Oklahoma is definitely always going to sting them. Oh yeah, um, they've had just just some incredible quarterback play there to not have won a championship here in a long time. So there's an element of disappointment in that that doesn't make you overrated though. If you make the dance, if you make this four team playoff, you're a damn good football team. You're not overrated in any way. Uh, so it's very rare to say a program like this is is on my overrated chart but they are this year because look i i do think at the end of the day brent venables will be a good head football coach i think he's spent a long time in a winning program not too long to where he's past his prime and like can't figure out how to be a coach like he's 59 years old and he just can't you know figure it out in time you know he's he's gotten that experience it reminds me a little bit of how long Kirby Smart was at Alabama. Smart was at Alabama, what, like six, seven, eight years? Was with Saban longer than that at other places? Um, and, and then ends up being an incredible head coach for Georgia. And I think Venables can be really good for Oklahoma. It's been a long time in a successful Clemson program with Dabo. But the issue here is everything is so new. And I know that Oklahoma historically is just, again, one of the, I don't know, four best programs of all time it's certainly top five and they've got this history they they've run through a bunch of different coaches that all win for them and ultimately they're going to be fine but just for this year they're preseason number nine for reference in the ap poll they only have five returning offensive and defensive starters so 10 total returning starters now look you, you can say that ultimately they might be okay because when i look at the big 12 this is why i want to say put me down for oklahoma but with the cat with the caveat of this i don't know if there's anyone i love in the big 12 yeah i I was going through this so conveniently the big 12 is very 
coalesced in this <laughs> 9 to 12. Oklahoma is 9, Baylor is 10, Oklahoma State is 12. They all have their issues with what's returning. And look, someone has to be ranked where they're ranked. And I go into this spiel all the time. You can say you're overrated, blah, 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 but other teams therefore have to be rated above you. And, and when I look at Oklahoma, I think ultimately it's not a good thing to be without more starters or, or to be returning less starters than you had leave. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing that K.O. Williams gone, although Dylan Gabriel being a transfer quarterback is a quarterback I think people should be excited about. I like Dylan Gabriel. He's going to play up-tempo offensive football. Uh, definitely slung it around at UCF for Hypel. So I like I I think they can be fine offensively. I think I, I kind of said earlier I had questions about them offensively. I retract those. Gabriel makes me feel good enough on, on second thought. I was more just thinking of the angle of Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler vanishing. Uh, I to be, think to be fair though. Dylan Gabriel is not Caleb Williams. He's not. He's not. But I think he can be an incredibly productive player in the right system. I, I'd love to go find Gabriel's numbers again. I don't have them in front of me. But his his last year at UCF that he was healthy, he got injured pretty early last year in Gus's first year. I mean, he racked up uh, 30-something TDs, I want to say. And uh, So, I, like, I think there's a path for him putting up big numbers this year. I, I agree he's not as good as um, – Caleb Williams, I don't think it's impossible for him to reach Spencer Rattler's level, though. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I don't know about that for sure. But you know, they the good news for them is they've got Marvin Mims back. He's their leading receiver. They lose everyone else that contributed wide receiver room. I mean, they lose Mike Woods, Jaden Hazelwood, who Hazelwood transferred to Arkansas. I'm, I'm high on him. Running back, they lose Candy Brooks, so he's a top running back. Again, it's just. It feels off for a team that's supposed to be a top 10 team to have a new coach, to have so many question marks. You only have five returning players. You've not been good on defense for years. Now you finally have a good defensive coach. I think in time, Oklahoma will become a good defensive team, but that's not great. And then, Brant, I want to run this by you too because, okay, that's not great. You're not high on Oklahoma State. Well, <laughs> Baylor. Baylor's a team yeah, that Baylor. that's usually normally, normally good or at least has been good with Aranda here. They're obviously the team that beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 Championship game with that epic fourth and goal stop. Baylor's not got a plethora of returning players either. They have six returning on offense and defense. And, of course, what? well, what's returning? Well, they lose three of their f- top four tacklers, including their top sack guy. When you look at their quarterback, I admittedly don't know who Blake Shapin is. Forgive me for that. <laughs> uh, maybe he's some good quarterback and highly touted. I, I do not know. But they do lose their quarterback, Jerry Bohannon, last year, who uh, was 18 TDs to seven picks and was a 2,200-yard guy, 63%. It was quality numbers, average to above average. They lose their running back, who gained 1,600 yards last year in Abram Smith. So what's the theme here? Everyone lost their important players, yeah. their best players, not just players, their best players. Oklahoma did. Baylor did. Oklahoma State only has four returning defensive starters. I'm kind of turning most overrated team, and I'm not even like trying to crap on the Big 12. They've got enough to deal with, but it's just like I don't know having confidence in any of these teams. They seem like they're all kind of overrated in the Big 12. Yeah, and it, it, part of it is like, when you lose that much, and to be fair, why do we not look at Georgia this way? Because Georgia lost nine of their defensive starters, sure. right? 
but we all still think that Georgia's defense is going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, but that's because I trust that Kirby Smart is going to plug and play some really, really good guys. I don't know if I buy that with teams like Oklahoma and Baylor and Oklahoma State. Like, I, I just don't think that the the talent they're going to plug in is going to be as good as what they've had. Uh, and I, They're not going to be able to re- replace production the same way that Georgia and Alabama do. I've got a great stat for you, actually, now that you brought that up. Give me. I just kind of realized this is in the book. So we got to feel still here and – this is what I cite it's for the Bible. specific numbers. I don't just, like, admittedly, I hope everyone puts together, <laughs> I don't know that off the top of my head, Abram Smith had 1,600 yards last year. Like, yeah. I'm, I know the name. You know those I, numbers. I can't put a yardage to that. You know the numbers from Major League Baseball, but every other sport you have to look right. at something. I, well, <laughs> th- 30 teams of box score versus 130 seems yeah. problematic. Yeah. Um, so, Abram Smith, great running back, couldn't have told you he finished at 1,600 yards last year. Uh I looked at Oklahoma State as you were reading this, and Phil's still in here. Not all, you have the last several years for the defensive numbers in here. It shows you how many returning starters came into that year. That's a brilliant tool here because let me tell you that this defense was progressing. It was a unit because in 2020 they returned 10 defensive starters. That's a lot, and they had they gave up 23 and a half points a game, and that was a fair number. That was getting down. I'll, I'll tell you how it was getting down in a second. Last year they returned eight, so they returned a large chunk of guys that they just returned. They gave Third, up eight, thirty-year starters. They gave up eighteen points a game. That's excellent. That's under twenty points a game in this day and age. It, in modern football, that is incredible. So, what happened in twenty nineteen? Because this is when these guys that in twenty twenty one became really good players, became a, a top fifteen defense in the country. What happened to them when they were in twenty nineteen? When they were first-year starters? Because they only had four. Like this year, they only had four returning starters coming in the twenty nineteen. They gave up twenty-seven points a game. That's not as good. The year before. They get 32 points a game. That's really not good. So, look, if Oklahoma State is giving up 30 points a game this year, they're not going to be very good. (laughs) Let let me backtrack. If anyone gives up 30 points a game, they're not going to be very good, or they're not going to be as good as they could be. So, while Spencer Sanders, a good quarterback for Oklahoma State, comes back, okay quarterback, I should say good, just because you start one year does not make you good. He had 12 picks last year. That's not great. 20 TDs. Okay. That's fine. 62%. That's fine. So they have a returning quarterback. That's more than what Oklahoma and Baylor can say. But their defense, which was the clear strength of their team last year, is probably is fairly decimated. I mean, looking on here, top four tacklers gone. Top pass breakup guy gone. Top tackle for loss guy gone. Not the top sack guy. Colin Oliver had 11 and a half sacks last year. but That's a, that's a lot. Anyway. That is a lot of sacks. So that's good football player but most overrated consensus pick one of those three big 12 teams. yeah the, the big 12 as a conference but I'm, I'm telling you man i'm looking at steve touched on a minute ago and i'll include this at texas a&m in this group you look at four clemson five notre dame six texas a&m i can see reason for all of those guys to be called overrated because Clemson, they had a good defense last year, but their offense was anemic, and I don't know that they bring anything new in that's going to fix that. Like I think DJ Uyunglele is a good physic. He's got the tools, right? But he's never put it all together, right. and until he shows me that he can, you know, then then what are we doing? Why are they the fourth best team in college football? Well, Brant, tell me, this is the year. <laughs> I mean. He's matured so much under this offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. It was Dark Horse. Heisman candidate. <laughs> okay. um, obviously, you guys know what I'm making fun of there. But, um, look, I'm with you there. Clemson's just... just I, I love I love the idea of Clemson adopting this is the year. <laughs> right. Well, they adopted other things from Auburn. You that's, know what true. I mean? so, that's true. That's um, true. Being it's at Auburn number four... Look, and, and that's the thing, is we got to remember... In college football, so much of it depends on progression of players, and yes. that's what, what that's what Auburn's banking on to become an eight or nine. The, win the team fact this that year. this guy will be better at twenty one years old than he is at seventeen, is, right, is college football. Because look it, again, I think these are fair questions to have of Clemson, Notre Dame, A and M, who is going to rely on Max Johnson, who I was not impressed with last year at LSU. Yeah. It goes down the line. You, Utah has a perennially good defense. They only have five returning starters on it. Like All these teams have a problem based off of last year, coming into this year. But some of these teams will develop and, and get rid of those. DJ might be better yeah, at Clemson. He absolutely. might figure it out. He does have the physical tools. If he plays like he did, I don't sound like this is going to be Jeremy Johnson all over again. Where he all, If he plays like he did against that Notre Dame, the game that Lawrence sat out that year, well, then Clemson will be in the playoff, and Absolutely. they're going to be in the top four. Absolutely. If he plays like he did, only throwing five-yard passes for a lot of last year because he was not confident to let it rip, then someone's going to rise up and beat him. And then I don't know if a one-loss ACC team's getting in. We have to go through this whole playoff scenario thing again. So it's a, it's a fair thing. All these teams have questions. Uh, it's just who answers theirs. Exactly. Who, so, all right, we should take a break, another break, but I'm not going to yet. Cause nice. It flows better to do most underrated right after we do most overrated. So we just spent like 15 minutes being like, yeah, Big 12 is awful, is essentially <laughs> what we just did. Like, congrats to like Kansas State for having a surprisingly good year. Um, most underrated team last year, Brent went with Auburn. He was correct through eight games. Yeah, man, half, half the year that pick looked golden. The other half was disappointing, and therefore we. Yeah, we don't, struck don't, out. Have to, don't have to reiterate all that. And then. I went with Liberty, and I don't give myself points there either. Liberty kind of uh, – I think they were they, like 9-3. They, they were a good group of five team. They were. I, I was thinking they'd go like 11-1, and one, though, with Malik. Um, I don't – you know, they were okay. I don't think they were underrated ultimately. So, most underrated team for you, Brian? I tell you what, I'm looking at this list. When I look at underrated, I, I try to go from like – 18, 19 or so in the poll. I, it just started like 15 and then go down. Um, and, and I'm looking at the teams that are around that 18, 19 range. I'm wondering, because there's three SEC teams clumped together here. You've got Arkansas at 19, Kentucky at 20, and Ole Miss at 21. And I'm convinced that any of those teams could finish around the top 10. I'm not going to say in the top 10, but yeah. certainly around. I agree with you. Um, of of those three, I'm probably wanna, going. Of those three, I'm going to probably pick Arkansas. I was about to I, ask you want to double down on one. Yeah, of them. yeah. I, I like their I like their offense a lot. I think KJ Jefferson's really good. You mentioned they just got a big time transfer wide receiver that's going to replace uh, the monster that was Traylon Burks. And, and you know, I I like Sam Pittman a lot, man. I think he's really good. Uh, and, and while I do think that Arkansas has gotten a little bit too much love from certain people, I don't think they're getting enough love from the AP in the, in, uh, in this particular instance. So I'm going to get to a phone call in just a few seconds. I do want one thought here because I, I 
I think the answer is probably one of those SEC teams. I, I'm not an SEC homer guy. I'm not. No, I'm not I do, either. I do think it's the best conference in college football. Not saying I don't think that, but I'm also not saying like, yeah, the rest of the conferences don't matter. I'm not saying that either. Um, but I was genuinely surprised to see no one in the SEC after A&M, no one between 7 all the way down to 19. Yeah. I thought someone would occupy that 11 to 15 range that you're kind of alluding to could be one of these teams. So I've got to think through uh, some of these. I did want to point out, I also considered Miami as a potentially underrated team. And this kind of goes against my thinking with some of these teams because everyone wants the big boom immediately. And I know in particular a lot of people are trying to see that out of USC this year because they bring in everything Oklahoma lost essentially um, but sometimes people forget that to use the phrase Rome wasn't built in a day type of thing Miami though is interesting because I think they stumbled upon a truly good quarterback once the Eric King got hurt and Tyler Van Dyke and I think Van Dyke ended up playing I want to say about nine games, maybe eight. And he went 25 TDs to six picks and threw for 2,900 yards. I mean, he was throwing like 300 yards a game for them. And I just wonder if with Chris Ball, I know he's got a lot of momentum down there. I Look, some of these teams like Miami and Texas have been on the verge for years and they never follow through. So, like, I'm not really, like, wanting that to be my pen to paper pick here. But I just want to mention Miami. And I'll tell you what, a, a good – a good uh, referendum on this, and that's why I wanted to bring it up for the phone call. Week three, Miami goes to Texas A and M. Yeah, that's that could be your overrated versus underrated answer right there. Is if Miami could go into College Station as you know number fourteen, number fifteen in the country at that point, they're number sixteen in the preseason. They can go in at some point and beat A&M right there, I mean, that kind of that can answer your question. So I also kind of tempted to pick Miami just because they can kind of prove you're right or wrong uh, right there. 334-887-341 locally. Toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program. Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us. Terry, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. How about y'all? Doing well. Doing all right. Can I give y'all my underrated and overrated? Absolutely. Go for it. Absolutely. Okay. Overrated Georgia. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, nine out of ten starters, nine out of eleven starters lost on defense. Uh, you, I mean, you can you can plug and play all you want, but that's that's a nice reason. But how many years, guys? I'm going to tell myself here a little bit how old I am. Uh, but but how many years do we hear after '92 the Alabama defense is going to be better than '92 defense? Not true. Not true. Not true at all. I wish people quit making that garbage up. So we'll see. They're not going to have a Jordan Davis on that defense. I promise you. They may have something measurable to him, but I'm talking about Jordan Davis. Sure. They're not going to yeah. have him. They may have somebody that looks like him and somebody that plays like him to a degree, but not going to have him. On the other side of the ball, you got Stetson Bennett. I don't think Stetson Bennett could sack groceries at Kroger. This guy's got a USFL or XFL written all over him. Um, he'll, he'll cost them a game this year. Uh, they didn't win because of him last year. They won in spite of him. Okay. Uh, so, that, so, uh, so that's over. Underrated. It's come from the same, same conference, guys. I hate this. I'm, I'm an SEC guy all the way. Sure. But I think Tennessee – Okay. I think Tennessee's going to be very good. I think people are understanding. And I do think in the next couple of years, you'll see them finally end the streak against Alabama. Um, I, I think but, that's certainly in the cards. I think Heupel is the guy to do it. I don't know when, yeah. but I think he does it. I think I've, I've said this before. There's going to be a lot of people who owe Josh Heupel a big apology for this is all said and done. 
Because remember how they were venomous toward him when he got hired him? Sure. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who him an apology. And which one of y'all said you can't give up 30 points and win many games or be successful? That was me. Yeah, I, okay, but, was but I agreed with him. I, I okay, agreed but, with that. Well, you better average close to 30 points nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I don't think Auburn's going to be successful. Because I don't – I mean, T.J. Finley, please. I mean, even a remember, God, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> so, you know. So, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I just I just can't fathom. I, I just hard for me to believe that Brian Harson's going to rest his future on the abilities or lack thereof of T.J. Finley. It's just hard for me to believe that. And what does that say about him if he is the starter that what he brought, brings in Calzotti, brings in Ashford? What's, what's, what does that say about him as a coach? I think it says that you tried to bring in something better and what you had was better than what you brought in. It's not what you want, but it's it's just where the program is. Well, no, what it says to me is he better go back to Idaho and learn how to pick some more potatoes. So, you know, that, that's what it says to me. Uh, that he, that he, he, he wasn't the best. He was just the first guy to say yes. So, and, and I'm, I'm not a Brian Harson fan, as you guys can tell. So, um, you know, but those are the teams I think are overrated, underrated, you know, I just don't understand Georgia-wise. People, I mean, love it. They love to pick this. It's like whoever wins the Super Bowl this year, the odds will come at the next day. They'll be the favorite to win it again. And then how many times does that really happen, guys? It's very rare. Very, very exactly, rare. Exactly, exactly. And that's what frustrates me when they, they pick a team that just won it. They don't even give them a chance to celebrate it. You know, before before, before the, you know Georgia and Alabama were off the field, they were already picking Georgia to repeat. You know, that, that right. there's, there's, that's really insulting as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I don't love the way too early stuff. You don't even know. I mean, you don't even know rosters. You don't even know decisions. You don't know all the various things that can happen. There's a variety of reasons, including the reason you talked about, like letting someone enjoy the moment, but mm-hmm. also just like you know, when f- this day and age of all this player movement, especially in college sports, I mean, there's just no way to predict rosters at that point. Well, it's not just football, guys. It's basketball too. I mean, I I wasn't surprised that Auburn got exited the tournament a little earlier than people thought, simply because I thought they peaked earlier in the season. Sure, they cl- so, they clearly were not getting better at the end. You're right. Exactly, exactly. And then those shots that were falling, they weren't falling all of a sudden. Right. And 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 what do we say in tournament time? What wins for you? Guard play. Right. Auburn didn't have very good guard play in the tournament at all. Yeah, so their, that, their best play was definitely three through five when you talk about Jabari and Kessler, sure. yeah. But I really enjoy this underrated, overrated talk because it's, it's a wide subject, and it's fun to see at the end of the year how many people – We'll, we'll, we won't tell you they're wrong, but they are. <laughs> right. Well, I told you I was wrong with Liberty. I thought they were going to have like an 11-1 season last year, and they were just okay. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Well, that's just you Freeze campaigning for a better job, which you should have had the Auburn job, quite honestly. Yeah, he was close. He was in the mix. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. Him and Sankey seem to have a history there. I don't know what the deal is. I don't think he was right. the same prosecutor or what. But, but um, you know, that, that's, it's, it's, it's frustrating because uh, I think he Freeze is a very good football coach. And he, trust me, he'll end up somewhere. Yeah, I think he will. For yeah. long, long term, I promise you. Yeah, I, I think I think someone will give him another big time opportunity. Sure. Take care, guys. Appreciate it, Terry. That's yeah, Terry, Terry on now, the Auburn Bank phone line. There, I do want to say this in defense of Stetson Bennett. He threw for almost three thousand yards last year and twenty nine touchdowns. I think, and you can you can argue yeah. all you want that he's surrounded by really great talent, and absolutely he is. But I think Stetson Bennett is a better quarterback than a lot of people give him credit for, including Georgia fans. Sure, I you know I think he threw ben, for two hundred and twenty four yards against Alabama. I think Bennett's fine. I I think he, you know, to Terry's point, he really didn't have to do anything to win them a game until the national championship game. Yeah, that game didn't like alter my opinion of him necessarily. 
Uh, I think to that point, he was like, for example, in the SEC title game, I thought he kind of cost him the game. I thought he didn't look very good. And he threw a couple of interceptions. And he had some struggles. But in the national title game, he did the opposite. When it was an even game in the fourth quarter, he made the couple of big drives. And he kind of got out of that. So, look, I, I think he's the talent around him is going to have those great tight ends. I mean, he's Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. They're still there. Uh, They're going to be awesome. So I think I have an okay season. The defensive argument obviously is one thing. I'm not by any means think they're going to be as good defensively last year, but think about how much better they were than everybody else. They can get worse and still be one of the best defenses in the country. Absolutely. I trust Kirby Smart to have them as a top 10 defense, even with – not the same amount of production because is is the way Alabama has done it for the last decade is kind of how this is forming at Kirby Smart. It's yeah. like you lose seven NFL guys, you replace them with like four or five more. I mean, you know, it's just the, that's the reality of it for uh, Georgia, who's been recruiting so well. We got to take our final break of our number two. We'll finish up the underrated discussion in a moment. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry. We're glad that you are tuned in to this edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Going through college football superlatives, we just had Terry call in and give us his thoughts. If you want to do the same, 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one 888 tiger 9 So let's finish up the most underrated team. Only got about three or four minutes left in the hour. Uh, we're going to have to move quicker in hour number three. I, I, that's why I wanted to start start it as early <laughs> as I could because I remember last year we kind of ran low on time. And, and guess what? Already kind of seeing the finish line that might not be ever reached. So we did need to finish the thoughts on, on nailing down a most underrated team, though. And Terry brought up another one in Tennessee. Brant, you brought up the three SEC teams that are ranked but barely, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss, 19 through 21. And, look, I like all those picks because, um, look, I'm not – again, I'm not over the top on the SEC. It is my favorite conference. It's the conference I follow the most, and I do believe it's the number one conference. However, I'm not – I'm not just rooting for teams in bowl season because we're in the SEC. I'm not not like that. Um, But nevertheless, like – I'm with you, especially in Arkansas. They feel more like a 14th, 13th place team yeah. in the preseason. Um, I personally have just always liked Lane Kiffin. Uh, I love Lane Kiffin. During during the, the coaching search post-Miles On, uh-huh. I was banging the drum for Lane yeah. Kiffin. It's like I knew it probably wasn't going to happen, yeah. but I was – the excitement within me was palpable at the yeah. fact that Lane Kiffin yeah. might come to Auburn. It, it, it pro- I don't know if the marriage would have worked, but I was here to watch it. Yeah, I was, I was going to be overjoyed about it. But I think Ole Miss will be pretty good this year again. I, 
The interesting thing, it'll just depend on Jackson Dart. Absolutely. Quite with you. Yep. Zach Evans is a really good running back transferring in. Uh, Ole Miss does not get enough credit for how well they run the ball, and I think that's a really big get for them. They were actually one of the top teams in the country in rushing last year. Um, so that's part of their fast-paced offense, and I, I just love Kiffin's style. You know, even the fourth down stuff. I know he has some of the most questionable fourth down calls anyone's ever seen. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. Uh, he I appreciate kn- that he fully leans into it. I don't know that I love that part of his game as from a winning uh-huh. game standpoint, but I love that he is consistently like, this is my thing. I'm going to do it. Sure. And, but, but even still, it's just like how many times... Because I can think of, or I'll give you an example that no one probably even knows about. UAB lost football game last year that would have sent them to the Conference USA title game to UTSA because on fourth and about eh, half half a yard, fourth and tw- ten inches, couple inches, yeah. They they decided um, to punt with a minute twenty, minute thirty left against UTSA at about the forty their own forty five. Oh yeah. If UAB gets that half a yard, they win the game. Yeah. They end up punting. UTSA goes down about 80 yards in a minute and wins the game on either the last or next to last play of the game. I can't remember uh, to win that game and, and lock up their conference state championship berth. So I just I feel I just always feel better about it when it's in your hands, especially when you when it favors the offense, especially when in this day and age uh, it is easier to play offense than it is to play defense. It feels like. So I, I think Ole Miss will still ultimately be a good football team too. The Tennessee thing though, their offense damn good uh i i I think they'll end up a ranked team i'm surprised they're not ranked you see you can put underrated teams out of this non-top 25 because well that means they're underrated but it's kind of hard to put an overrated team that's not the top 25 because you're not really rated at that point uh texas has too many points in my opinion but they're 27th yeah and you want to and you just like i don't care down to mid 30s 37 yeah. yeah Okay. All right. <laughs> I hear you. BYU, you asked this question. BYU's interesting at 25. I have to look at their schedule, and I'm out of time. I've got like 20 seconds left. But just for people's knowledge, if you see BYU that's like 6-0 and or something in the middle of the year, and you think, why are they ranked 12th? Every single defensive starter is back. Every single one, all 11. And they've got eight returning on offense. So they got 19 returning starters. In this day and age, year of our Lord, 2022, to have an entire <laughs> unit – entire side of the ball return that is something else and again i don't know their schedule put me down for a 1a and 1b give me arkansas and give me byu on the official underrated list and byu was barely on my radar until you brought it up yeah and i just kind of saw them at 25 and i was like i don't know anything about byu now you do and I don't know about their schedule they might play like three top 15 teams in the first six weeks and I might look (laughs) stupid but without seeing the schedule again I got BYU I think they're gonna have a good year out of time for hour number two we'll move on to some more college football superlatives coming up in hour number three biggest game of the year be conference or non-conference let you decide hottest coaching seat it's always a fun one there's always a lot of hot seats that and more coming up next Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting underway here on this Thursday afternoon. We just got a nice rain shower at the station, so naturally it's the sunniest it's been all day afterwards. So you just make things nice and humid for everyone. But it's I'm all Ryan, sticky out there. I'm Ryan Lavoie with Brant Daughtry. I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson. You can catch him tonight. Over at the Auburn Soccer Complex, Auburn versus Old Dominion. That is what JJ will be doing. He'll be on the TV call for that one. I want to remind you again, coming up in a couple hours on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station, Panther Football against LaGrange out of Georgia. So their new season gets underway. High school football kicking off across the state tonight. On a Thursday. We're doing more non-Friday night games in high school football. I don't know if that's a good thing. That's a sidebar for another day. But anyway, uh, Thursday night, high school football coming up tonight on our sister station, 630 airtime. Bill Bailey, Walter Northcutt with the Smith Station Panthers. All right, now we're number two. We did some college football superlatives. We were incredibly inefficient. Our, our <laughs> purr was really poor. We got only two done, and I had nine on the sheet. I'm already planning to only finish with doing like six. But we did most overrated, most underrated teams. If you missed that, go back and listen to it on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. And so let's continue on here at hour number three. I'm going to start with the biggest game of the year uh, in this hour. And I was kind of mulling through these, Brant, and I still don't have a consensus. I like to pick non-conference games usually in this because – I don't know. There's always a few matchups that teams go out of their way to play that are, are just a big deal. And the conference matchups sometimes, look, you, you got to get so many weeks into the season, you just don't know if that matchup will, will even end up being. Yep. You know, there's been some years where Alabama and LSU, for example, just was not it. I mean, it, it was supposed to be maybe for the West, and then LSU has had some down years and. You know, it just, that sort of thing can just happen, um, especially when you're asking for a game seven or eight weeks down the line. So I'm still not 100% decided. I have a couple options. So I want to defer to you first and see if you name what I was thinking, see if I go a different direction, or you convince me to do the game that you have. I'm just, I, I don't know if you were convicted by one either. So I'm yeah, just kinda... it's, it's a lot tougher for me this year than it was last year. I was looking hard at Cincinnati traveling to Arkansas because I think that game will tell us a lot about what Cincinnati is in the post-playoff era and what Arkansas can be. But I, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be as good uh, this year. I don't think they're going to finish in the top 25. Could be wrong. Have not studied them super hard. But uh, I, I think that they're going to fall off uh, post-losing uh, all the guys that helped them get to the to the to the playoff last year goodness i can't remember what the word was but i'm going to go with on october 15th usc travels to utah that game could very well end up being a deciding game in the pac-12 if either of those teams is undefeated and wins the pac-12 championship at some point the pac-12 has to spit out a champion that is undefeated and deserves to go to the playoff Um, and, and you know this might be the year that usc does it i don't know if it's the year but 
uh, you bring in the new a new head coach who's proven he's pretty good at what he does. You bring in a, a quarterback that could very well win the Heisman Trophy. You bring in the, uh, Jordan Addison, who was the best wide receiver in college football last year, which is another reason that I think Pitt is rated too highly, but I digress. I, I think that USC at Utah could be a decider in who makes it to the college football playoff. I still think it runs through Oregon, but I think one of those two teams is going to have to run through Oregon for sure. All right, so my dis- my difficulties here are – it's actually not a bad thing. Hear, hear me out for a second. The difficulty here is not that there aren't a lot of really intriguing games. There's actually, as I look at this in the preseason, for right now, there's some actually really intriguing schedules on here. And I'll give you – BYU's is one. I talked about them as being an underrated team and looking at their schedule during the break. I was like, oh, no. They could end up with like three losses pretty quickly. I look stupid. Or they could look – or they could be a contender really quickly. They've got Baylor in week two. They're at Oregon in week three. Yep. And then you go down a couple. Of, they got Notre Dame, followed by Arkansas. You know, that's a good. That's it, all in their first seven games. I'm looking at this. Notre Dame has a very interesting schedule. They open up at Ohio State. Yeah. That's that's pretty solid. Yeah. And you know that was that was another one that I was considering for like, hey, this has playoff implications yeah. for sure. You can see my screen here, and you, so you believe me. I have glasses. This, trust me, this is not me moving the screen. This is right here. It's been the whole thing. Yep, got you. I had their schedule pulled up. That was the next <laughs> one I was going to read. My, my purpose here is saying is that it's very, it's very convenient that independent teams here are mattering, and that this is a good version of yeah. Notre Dame, and that BYU is now independent and is playing well, because independent teams have to go out and find some. Good quality competition. They don't have anything built into their schedule. They're not an SEC or Big Ten team that just knows they're going to play a couple top 25 teams already. They have to bake in some good matchups. So as you said, Notre Dame and Ohio State week one feels like the answer. Mm -hmm. The only reason I say you could look at something else is because I can't last year my point here's here's what we did last year. I should have done this first, but you said Cincinnati Notre Dame, which was the perfect answer, is the A plus answer. And I had like an A-minus answer in Ohio State and Oregon. And our reasoning was, yours was easy to see. If Cincinnati wins this game, this is their trump card to possibly getting the playoff they're undefeated. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. That's exactly what happened. And Notre Dame was kept out of the playoff because of that Exactly. Loss. And then for Ohio State-Oregon, my thought was, if the Pac-12 wanted any chance of making that playoff, it, Oregon had to win that game. And Oregon was in the running. After they won that game, they were in the running until they inexplicably lost to Stanford. <laughs> to Stanford. Of all teams. In overtime. They had an extra period to decide if they could beat Stanford, and they still did not beat 3-9 and nine Stanford. Or whatever they were. 4-8. and eight. I don't remember. It was Losing not a record. bowl team. Bad. It was not a bowl team. Bad team. So anyway, what was good about that is it was just it, – I could guarantee you – there would be an effect to that cause. Yes. There would be something that would happen. Either the Pac-12 would already be out of it, or for the, the group of five would already be out of it if those results went in a certain way. But Oregon kept the Pac-12 in it for a while, and Cincinnati makes the first ever group of five playoff spot because they won that game. Those are perfect answers. And this year, I guess what I'm saying is, Notre Dame, this is a huge game. If they beat Ohio State, you would say to yourself, they're going to the playoff. They're Notre Dame. They just beat Ohio State. 
They can even lose once, and they're probably still going to the playoff. But the problem is, is they actually have enough meat on their schedule because they play BYU. That's mm-hmm. another top another top twenty five game. They've got Clemson this year. Number four Clemson is in South Bend. It's the first week of November, and then even still, this for the first year in a while might matter because they're not going to be led by Clay Helton. USC is at the end of the schedule. And all of a sudden I feel much more intrigued by that game. Even if yeah. USC is kind of having a rough and tumble year and they're like eight and three coming into that game, I, the sheer talent that's going to be there is maybe not depth, but sheer talent makes me think that is a, it's college football. That's of course, that's a winnable game for USC when it's in yeah, Southern absolutely. California. So Notre Dame could beat Ohio state in this, theoretical world and still end up losing twice in my opinion especially i mean clemson for sure that's just because you beat ohio state doesn't mean you're going to beat clemson i don't know what clemson will look like so anyway it's hard for me to pick that game because i can't like guarantee you the implications are the biggest they feel like they could be and by the same token i can't pick to you a byu game and just say with all certainty well, this BYU game, this is the game, you know, because it's the same thing. So I'm going to think I'm going to do it two years in a row. I don't know. Sue me. <laughs> Second year in a row, I'm going to pick an Oregon game, and it's going to be the week one Oregon and Georgia game. And mm. it's surely because of this. It's actually a little different angle than last year. I think Terry will like this one better. Um, if Georgia loses this game, they are not going to end up going to the college football playoff. Because if Georgia loses this game, I already think Alabama's beating them in the SEC championship game. And yeah. I, it's great for Auburn Radio to be like, yeah, so the title game's clearly in the SEC, the two biggest rivals of Auburn. But it is. We have to admit it's, that. It actually has right. been for it, several it has, years now. It's going to be this year. And so if Georgia loses this game and then they lose to Alabama in the conference championship game, a two-loss Georgia is not going to the playoff at that point. Especially given that the East is going to be a weaker opportunity. Like In theory, if you have another top 10, top 10 team in the SEC, it's going to be Texas A&M, at least in the preseason. And look, I, I, I don't know if I love Kentucky as much as Chris Doring, who said they were going 11-1 today, but I, just, I can't really fathom Kentucky being in the top 10 this year like i don't think so i don't think john calipari can i I, (laughs) you know like i i I, we still i still have not talked about uh that snafu on this show and i i have thoughts we'll get there eventually basketball (laughs) season or at some point i promise you y'all remember when calipari said this yeah (laughs) after after kentucky has a nine and three season because the issue is is like georgia can't benefit the or can't reap the benefits of a great kentucky season necessarily because They've got to get all the way to the end that way. Yep. Kentucky can't stumble. Kentucky does not play Georgia until the 11th game of the year. So if, say they lose that at Tennessee game, which I think Tennessee would be favored in coming into the season, uh, which is the 7th game of the year or 8th game of the year, there's a loss. Kentucky also plays at Ole Miss. You know, that's a tough one. Maybe Kentucky has a magical season. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, if they're preseason number 20, they start 5-0 and or something, they're probably like 13th when you play them. And you maybe get a over overranked team at that point uh shout out to vanderbilt when they played alabama that one year and were undefeated um <laughs> and uh lost by a lot so it, it happens uh, like that and so i'm saying georgia and oregon because not necessarily that the oregon oregon is the pac 12s only hope i think utah and usc are both within range this year but it's more so about georgia this time and 
just the belief that I don't think this is the type of scenario you can have a two-loss team make it. Now, there, it's happened, uh, or it would have happened. It has happened. Has a two-loss team made it? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Maybe it's not happened. It could it, have happened. It should have happened in 2017. Well, I was about to say, Auburn. obviously Auburn was going to make it in 2017, but there are circumstances that they got their losses out of the way, then beat two number one teams, and yeah. obviously that's not in Georgia's schedule yeah. if they're not beating Oregon. So, and, and, and under this assumption of losing to Alabama. So, anyway, uh, that's mine, but there, there's a lot of these, like, interesting again notre dame byu games i gave you an inadvertent one that's probably still in the top 10 i don't know if it's top five important game but texas a and miami is kind of a big deal like if you want it like a yeah. true this that's the two like they're kind of the darlings for some people but also some people myself included don't right. really buy into either school so whoever loses that game is kind of going to have their season washed pretty early like if you want a true second contender because NC State's experience, but again, I like I just I don't have faith ultimately in NC State being a viable playoff team in the uh, ACC. I'm sorry to to the NC State Wolfpack. Um, with Miami though, like they play Clemson later in the year too, and that could end up being a humongous game if Miami could somehow beat Texas A&M. I don't know. I'm just saying I think that ACC could have a second viable team in the playoff picture if Miami can beat that, win that Texas A&M game. So. There's, this is the great thing about college football. This is what makes college football so awesome is that there's a very wide range of possibilities for most teams. Now, I still think the national championship is going to be Ohio State and Alabama. If I were to pick one, I'd probably say that. But, man, it kind of below the top f- three, four, it's pretty wide open. Yeah. If you care about anything other than playoff, you're fascinated by everything coming into this <laughs> yeah. year. Uh, fortunately, I care about all of it, so I'm interested to see all of it. But that is most uh, exciting game, biggest game of the year, however you want to term it, biggest game of the year. Let's go ahead and take our break. Let, again, it, we went like 14 minutes on that, and I just can't be efficient in this. <laughs> I'm just, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible host. You can say that. <laughs> um, on the other side of this break, another topic that everyone always loves the fodder about hottest coaching seat the answer is brian harson <laughs> but, but we're, we're going to try and we provide will, other answers as well right we will find you to other possible answers and we will show our work so you get the credit <laughs> that's next you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is jake crane host of the jboy show and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call on this Thursday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, continuing on here in hour number three. Show's flown by and uh, wildly inefficient so far in this college football superlative. So let's uh, let's get right back into it. Hottest coaching seat for 2022. Uh, last year, Brant and I agreed on Jim Harbaugh. Mr. Khaki had a really good year. Got yeah. to the college football playoff, beat Ohio State. He's now, did, did all the things that we said he would have to do to keep his job. He and did. By gosh, he almost left anyway. <laughs> so he is now off said hot seat. 
Um, and then I also had a I had a one A one B. Harbaugh was one A one B was Clay Helton. Clay Helton is at Georgia Southern now. I don't think I would have said Clay Helton if he was at Georgia Southern last year. You can do the math. So this year, uh, everyone knows that Brian Harson's seat is very hot. The question to you is this: outside of him in the SEC, is there anyone else truly on the hot seat other than Eli Drinkwitz? And do you care? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I because mean, I was thinking about this during the break and I was running through all the teams like okay everyone's fascinated by Brian Kelly but he's not in the hot seat before he coaches a single single game uh, no one in the state of Mississippi to me feels like they're on the hot seat some may, may question Mike Leach but Mississippi State yeah. is perfectly fine with a seven and five year in year two now I would say to you if he went five and seven this year Next year, he would be uber hot seat and yes. needing a year. But I think we're one year away from that. Um, nothing hot about Nick Saban's seat. Nothing hot about Kirby Smart seat. Florida with new coach with Napier. Kentucky, nothing hot about Stoops. Nothing hot about they love Beamer. Him, man. Oh, yeah. Kentucky, the Kentucky people who are Kentucky football fans. Yeah, I was about to say, Kentucky love football Mark people Stoops. love them. The, and I said this on the show yesterday. The Kentucky basketball fans, most of them are Alabama football fans anyway. Mm-hmm. So they don't really care about Kentucky football. And. Uh, nothing about Beamer. Nothing of you know. I like is Jimbo on a hot seat. Yeah. I, I think with a mediocre year this year, maybe. It's a, but again, it's a one he's, year he's, away he's, thing. He's what he's what like four years into a ten year one hundred million dollar contract. Yeah. So yeah, I I think they've kind of handcuffed themselves in a way. So I'm just not thinking of anyone in the SEC other than other than Drinkwitz. And I you know and it, Clark what, Lee, what's, I mean what's I the know. what's the expectation at Missouri and Vandy? You know. Well, I mean, Missouri has an expectation. That's more than Vanderbilt. That's I'm true. not saying Missouri's expectations are high, but like Pinkle had them with consistent eight and nine win teams. And like, if if you're not if you're in a major conference and you can't shoot for an eight or nine win team, you probably shouldn't be in a major conference. I mean, it just it's just the reality Replace of Vanderbilt it. with Duke. When, when in this league, as tough as this league is, when I can point to you at a time where. Everyone from Mississippi State to Kentucky to South Carolina has had their runs of winning eight to ten games. Mm-hmm. I, you've got to have that expectation, and so for that, yeah, Vanderbilt, you are the weakest link. Goodbye, you know that <laughs> part of the thing. But of course, there's other reasons to have a team in the conference. But I don't know. So we've kind of established it's not. You know, I mean, Drinkwitz, if you care, um, in the SEC, and obviously Harson. Um, what else are we thinking here? I uh, I have the advantage of being able to use the internet, so I will say that like this didn't come immediately to my mind, but I will say it should have. Okay. I, I knew this guy, and I knew that he should. I knew he was on the hot seat. The name just didn't come to me. Scott Frost at Nebraska has got to win yep. at some point. Yeah, uh, he was. I <laughs> he has the dubious distinction of coaching last year the best three and nine team ever yeah because they lost what seven games by one possession something like that what whatever the loss is minus one they only had one loss and was, it was it by nine okay points through I, so they were three State, they were say. three and nine but like yep. they they lost so many games but m- like you said eight of them were one score games uh so i definitely think that scott frost is in like you better figure this out because he's been pretty bad since he got there uh and i, I really think that he can. I don't know if he will. Or Nebraska can. I don't know if Scott Frost will. Uh, so Scott Frost is going to be my my one my one one for sure. Were you on this show? And I think you were like two weeks ago when I was like basically saying that. 
Tom Osborne was like ungodly for 25 years in Nebraska. Yes. Yep. And like from like 73 to 97, they never finished outside the top 25 and yep. they were only outside the top 15 twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just they, insane. They won like four national championships. So and that's been, I yeah. totally get why there's just like, where where is this? Because uh, three nines are just infinite amounts of worlds away from that. Scott Frost is the correct answer. Uh, I agree. I feel like I need to think of a 1B, though, just because this is a topic that always fascinates yeah. like people. Like I said, I have the internet, so I do have a 1B as well. But like... Okay, let me just pose a couple, like, and these are probably too soon, but this is probably the best I've got for anyone at, at this point. I'll give you a too soon, and I'll give you a one to, to marinate on. How about that? The too it. soon one may be Steve Sarkeesian, because I know mm-hmm. it's year two, but it, there's just no, pa- no patience at Texas. Yeah. And I've... There really shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, there shouldn't be. That's, they have all the a, money you, and resources in the world. You have every resource you could ever want. You're in a recruiting hotbed. You should be able to win at Texas. And so I'm not going to say that year two hot seats are a commonplace thing, although obviously Brian Harson is on the hot seat <laughs> and this is year two. Um, but I think it's a year away. I'm not saying he is now. I would just, if Texas really tanked and went five and seven, I would just be interested in what they would say, is I guess what I'm saying here. Here's the other one, though, that I think... How about uh, someone Auburn plays this year? James Franklin, Penn State. Their year got a little disappointing last year. And by the way, we didn't talk about this, and maybe this didn't surprise you out there. It surprised me. When when we did... um, the way too early stuff, which Terry brought up. I brought up Terry's phone. It was a good phone call. When Terry brought up the way too early rankings in hour number two, knowing about Georgia repeating and, and what have you, the way too early rankings had like Penn State about 12th, um, <laughs> had them in the top 15. And I just kind of went along. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, James Franklin, he's been all right. You know, long tenure at Penn State, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're getting Clifford back, not the big red dog, the quarterback. And I was like, yeah, you know, fine. Why not? Sure. But listen to this. I mean, okay, I'll just give you the last five years since I got them in front of me. And the first three, these are going to sound good. Went 11 and 2. 9 and 4, iffy. 11 and 2, good. But in the COVID 2020, 4 and 5. Yeah, I remember that. Of course, all conference games. I remember that. And then last year, how about 7 and 6 after a 5 and 0 start? That's a collapse. So similar, very similar path to what Auburn did, actually. So listen, I, I don't know if this is being talked about, and but Penn State's a big program. They had a long time with Joe Paterno. Bill O'Brien came in there, did all right, kind of kept it on its feet, made sure it didn't collapse after the Paterno stuff. That's where Bill O'Brien was. Yeah. Wow. And now it's been Franklin. Do you know how long James Franklin's been at Penn State? This blows my mind. It's been a while. I want to say he left Vanderbilt in 14. One year earlier, I think. In, in 13. This will be his ninth year yeah. at Penn State. That's a long time. And I just Penn State's not really won much of anything. And I kind of still feel like Penn State should, should win something at some point. So... Again, if you're talking about another seven and five type of season, if Penn State ultimately goes down that route, that route, their total will be set early. By the way, too, that Auburn game obviously in week three. 
that at Purdue game to open a Thursday night college football, that one's interesting. And you say, did you just say Purdue is interesting? You damn right, I just said <laughs> Purdue's interesting. If you don't watch Purdue football, Purdue upsets someone every year. It is insane. Yeah. They beat somebody. And by the way, last year... They don't year, show up unless their opponent is in the top five. And last year, Purdue was 9-4. and four. <laughs> They were probably better than Penn State, ultimately. Um, and you look at their schedule, uh, their losses, they lost to Notre Dame. I can forgive that. Ohio State, I can forgive that. They lost to Minnesota by a touchdown. Okay, Minnesota's a bowl team. It's not the best. And lost to Wisconsin. And usually I can forgive a loss to Wisconsin, too. Um, so I'm just saying, that's a trickier game than people realize for Penn State to start off with. Penn State should feel good about themselves if they win at Purdue to start the year because yeah. Purdue will Purdue has seven returning stars on both both offense and defense. Uh, they return their quarterback, they return their top running back, they return four of their top six tacklers. I mean, I'm Purdue's probably going to go like eight wins again this year. So, can Purdue beat beat Penn State opening week? Heck yeah, they can. Heck yeah, they can. Here, here's the proof. I was, I was looking for this. I was stalling a little bit. Last year, <laughs> Purdue beat Iowa when they were number two in the country. They did. They beat Michigan State when they were number five in the country. And then I go back a couple years. Um, had a rough 19. Well, only went four and eight. Back to 2018. Remember when Ohio State was number two and lost to Purdue 49-20? to Rondale Moore had roughly 10,000 yards from scrimmage in that game. Yeah. So, And Jeff Brown's been here the whole time. It's his sixth year. So, and then Auburn beat him like 56-10? to 10 Yeah. In, same, in, same year. Yeah. Tra- if you like the transit property, yep, Auburn yeah. would beat Ohio State by 70-something points yeah, I in believe, 2018. I believe <laughs> Auburn won both the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten transitively in that year because they beat Washington to open the season. There you go. Transit property. It's great. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, James Franklin is actually uh, – put it down for me. James Franklin on the hot seat at Penn State. They they need that's, they need that's to beat a really Purdue. Good, that's a really good sleeper. They need to beat Purdue there to start the year. So I'm going to say they need that. And usually, I mean, usually it's yes, you need to beat Purdue. But like this year is like Purdue might be okay, and like you really need to beat them. All right, so that's the hottest hot seats in the coaching world. When we come back, we'll find a way to do one more superlative, maybe two. We're not going to get to them all. <laughs> I, pl- I, I wave the white flag on that one. We'll give you one or two more superlatives when we come back, winding down the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Sammy Coates, former Harvard football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here going over college football superlatives. It's been a fun time today for sure. Um, we've only completed four. 
had nine on the page. We're gonna get <laughs> one more done here in just a minute, and so we'll we'll get over half. Five out of nine is not usually a passing grade, though. So you could it could put it on me. Uh, it's just very inefficient. But there's a lot to talk about here, and, and that's why we wanted to open the floor because we spent so many days talking just SEC, and so we wanted to spend a day that kind of involves everybody, the the whole entirety of college football. We just did our hottest coaching seat. We also did biggest game of the year earlier this hour. We're going to do one last superlative here, superlative here, excuse me, and that will be most exciting player in college football. So take it from the macro level to the micro level and look at a player. And Brant pointed this out during the break. Last year, you, if you ever wondered, these guys sound like they get a lot right. Yeah, thank you. We do. But we get a lot wrong, too. We are not infallible. And um, we're willing to admit that. So, most exciting player last year. And look, in the moment, mine were a little more off the wall. This made sense. I'm not trying to... There's no bus to throw Brad under here. But he went with Derek Stingley. And Derek Stingley pieced out after three games last year. He, he sure did. So, not much can be helped about that. <laughs> Very, I, very good player, but just did not play in college uh-huh. football. <laughs> I had a 1A and 1B. My 1A was Malik Willis. He was exciting. He was. He, he, got, he made the Heisman ceremony. Uh, he was uh, picked high in the NFL draft for a quarterback. I think he was the what was he, fourth quarterback taken, third quarterback so. taken. He was like a that. third rounder? Yes. In Tennessee, yeah. I think so. So, all right. But then my 1B, Derek King, got injured. Uh, and did not finish the year with Miami and ended up it kind of not hurting Miami because Tyler Van Dyke ended up probably being better. So, yeah, we, we took some L's on that one. It's all right. <laughs> um, so most exciting player in brand. I knew you were really fired up this one. So I've been letting you go first, but again, one more time. Go for yeah, it. Go first. Sure, for yeah. sure. I, now, let me say this. I do think that Will Anderson is the best player in college football, the out, the edge rusher at Alabama. Yeah, this is I most think, exciting. For yes, those that, yes. That I think he's the in. best. And I mean, it, I I hate watching him because he's so good <laughs> and he plays for Alabama. But like purely from a football perspective, like he's so fun to watch. But for most exciting – I'm going to go with a guy who was really good last year, finished the season with a record-breaking performance, and is back with a guy that I think is going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. I'm going to go with Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Remember this. I did. I had forgotten about this. Ohio State had two wide receivers taken in the first 11 picks of the draft. Jackson Smith and Jigba had more catches and more yards than both of them. So he's coming back. He is going to be the guy. He was the guy last year, but now he's the the guy. Uh, and re- last year he had 95 total catches for more than 100. Excuse me, 1,600 yards and caught nine touchdowns. Let's remember that Rose Bowl that he had against Oregon: 15 catches, 344, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. That's insane. Uh, and I think that he's going to have another great year and that he's going to lead C.J. Stroud to a, to a Heisman Trophy. I think Stroud is going to be my Heisman Trophy winner prediction for this year, and a big reason for that is going to be Smith and Jigba. Yeah, I can certainly buy uh, why your pick for most exciting player, but also uh, C.J. Stroud this year, just from the standpoint of it's going to be so hard for Bryce Young to repeat. Yeah, Not that he can't do it, but... You know, they're very much the law of diminishing returns in terms of value and your the 
the praise people place, I guess, in terms of that top award. It can be done, but he's going to have to do something really, really special this year. And Stroud was really good last year. They lost the Michigan game at the end, and he honestly wasn't as bad as I think people thought he was in that game. They just could not get a stop defensively. And, and so he kind of dropped off a little bit, and the, the Heisman Valley did not finish second or third. I think he was fourth. So I like Stroud a lot too, Brant. Um, so my most interesting player – if I want to be a homer, but not an Auburn homer, uh, if I want oh. to be a homer, I want to alert people to the fact uh, that Josh Downs at North Carolina is awesome. Uh, he last year had 101 catches for 1,300 yards That's and eight solid. touchdowns. That's a very good season. He is going to be all over the field. He also is the punt returner uh, for North Carolina and is very shifty. And so I just want to throw out to you that Josh Downs, if North Carolina has a quarterback this year, which I don't know because Sam Howell's gone <laughs> and it's a battle between Jacoby Criswell and, and Drake May. Um, I don't know if the Kyle quarterback play will be, but I know that Josh Downs is going to get every opportunity to tote the football in various ways. So Josh Downs is like a homer pick, and that's just my homer pick. Um, otherwise, look, I kind of favor wide receivers for this position yep. um, or very athletic quarterbacks because, look, I – Someone that can throw a beautiful spiral down the right sideline where only his guy can get it is great. And it helps you win all the football games. All of them. Every one. Is it the most exciting play in the sport to me? No, it is not. The most exciting play to me in the sport is either dodging a lot of tacklers to score a touchdown or infinite amounts of speed and athleticism that can't be duplicated. When, when When did Cam Newton run away with the Heisman? After that run against LSU? Yes. Absolutely. When Patrick Peterson did not catch him. Yeah, when he uh, when Patrick Peterson kind of just clung on to him for seven yards. So my last that's why last year I went with two very athletic quarterbacks. This year, as I said, I just kind of went with Josh Downs to some degree. But look, I think that when I'm thinking receivers, and this is a big loss for Pittsburgh, man. It kinda it kind of this is the most kind of like disturbing nil move of the yes, year absolutely it is um because the guy i mean let's just call it what it is this guy just got offered more to go play somewhere else i mean it just kind of was like a free agency move um there was really no great reason to leave pittsburgh but last year jordan addison at pittsburgh 100 catches actually a few behind josh Downs, just a couple but <laughs> more yards 1593 yards and 17 touchdowns that's over a touchdown game you walked into the stadium and addison had a touchdown (laughs) that 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 was how good he was and why he's going to be so exciting this year is he moves from kenny pickett who was awesome to caleb williams who's awesome (laughs) he's gonna still be with an awesome quarterback caleb williams could be in this conversation yeah honestly because he can run the football and he can make a lot of special plays with the football and so those usc guys look I'm not obsessed with the big brands per se. They obviously matter a lot. They move needles. And no, I don't think USC is going to the playoff this year. I'm not hot taking it up that, you know, here comes the Trojans. They're back. But I think they'll be refreshingly good this year. I think they will have their moments. They will be exciting. And I think Addison and Williams – that tandem is going to be a huge part of that. Need big things from them this year. There's some other guys, though. I want to throw out a couple of running backs. Those are my official picks. 
just talking some exciting football players because we have one more minute before we take a break. Um, there's some really, really good, and we, we've talked about this um, in the SEC previews. There's so many good quarterbacks in the SEC. I don't know if there's like one that's clearly more exciting than the other, but it just the overall totality excites me of how how good the league can be when you think about not only Bryce Young, but you think about KJ Jefferson, you think about uh, Will Levis, you think about Will Rogers, you think about what Anthony Richardson could be at Florida, you think about Spencer Rattler. I mean, these are play these are kids playing at places not Richardson, but think about Levis and Rogers and Rattler at schools that may or may not have good years and schools that don't have great histories yet they're very talented quarterbacks and just there's not like I'm saying this is just kind of piggybacking off the most interesting player most it's just very or most exciting player it's just very exciting to see because I look the league was not as good with quarterbacking coming into the previous years and yeah, it might ultimately doom Auburn if they have a below-average quarterback because all these other guys are good. But I like it, that's why these teams are so good. That's why Hendon Hooker at Tennessee is really good. That's why it's surprising for them not to be in the preseason top 25. I would have a bone to pick if I were a Tennessee fan, of which I surely am not. But Hendon Hooker and that offense is going to be awesome. They're going to score all the points. Oh, all yeah. of them. That offense is going to be a lot of fun. So, I don't know if, if you had any thought, Brand, on, on just anything in the in this league or anything else, because I, I ran through like eight players, if you wanted to give <laughs> another couple of players you're excited about. Uh, you know, looking at around college football, or looking at the list of names that I have here in front of me, the one that really jumps out to me is B. John Robinson. The, yeah. The running oh, yeah. back at Texas. Yeah. Dude is super talented. Uh, I think the tank could be. I think he has sure. a lot of talent. I think he could be the best running back in college football. But I think that B. John Robinson is in a better situation to be the best running back in college football. And probably be, uh, if there is a first round running back taken in this year's NFL draft, it'll probably be him. Uh, but I, I think he's really good. If there's a reason to watch Texas, it's him. Absolutely. I. Uh, I don't know if Texas what their win total will be this year. The big I just no. discussed the top big but look, twelve teams. It, it wasn't great last year, and he only played in ten games and had fourteen hundred yards. Yeah, dude's good. He's gonna get the ball. And he's gonna make his yards. Absolutely. Out of time for this segment. Almost out of time for the show. That was college football superlatives. We did not get through them all. Maybe there's hope to get them in a little bit, or the, the rest of them in at a show in the near future before the season starts. Nine days until week zero. Sixteen days till full week one slate. Back to wrap up the show right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of the show today. It's been a fun Thursday sports call. Back with you here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. I'm Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson today. Brant Daughtry has been with me. 
Been a lot of fun doing the college football superlatives again. And want to remind you, coming up in just about 35, 40 minutes from now, over on FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station Panther football gets underway tonight against LaGrange High School out of Georgia. And I uh, don't want to miss that. Bill Bailey, Walter Northcutt might hear me at the halftime show as well for that. All right, so just a minute or two left in the show today. So we wrap it up this way. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide tonight here on August the 18th, a Thursday night. If you're not going to one of the high school football games, here's what you have to look forward to on your TV set. 6 o'clock ESPN2, more Little League World Series action. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. It's the WNBA playoffs as they continue. They just started a couple days ago. MLB 620, Bally Sports South, New York Metropolitans, Atlanta Braves. Let's go. Game four of a very important series. Braves need this one or else that hard work done Monday and Tuesday is all negated. They pick up nothing out of the series. Really need to win this game tonight. Max Freed, Jacob DeGrom. That should be a low-scoring, close proximity ball game. Also 630. This is where J.J. Jackson is. He's at the Auburn Soccer Complex. Auburn hosts Old Dominion on SEC Network Plus for the leader of this fine program, J.J. Jackson, Mac Matthews, on the call. They are 630 TNT, your one movie pick of the evening. Birds of Prey, I believe that is the sequel to, is that Harley Quinn? That is Harley yes. Quinn, yeah, that is a DC movie. Therefore, it's probably disappointed some of you out there. I think I think that is when DC started to make like halfway decent movies. I think that is the first one that is actually. Wait, they good. started doing that? Yeah. Look, man. Look, man. James no, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is awesome. Sure, it's an awesome movie. Not everything they've done is bad. I I, I digress. But a lot is. You're you're forgiven. It's for not Marvel. It's not Marvel. So that is what to, to watch on the nightly TV guide. Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brant had a lot of fun today, sir. That was awesome. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Thank you for having me. For Brant Daughtry, I am Ryan Loy. We thank all those who tuned in and called in today. Enjoy Smith Station Panther football tonight, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.